We are It's Just a Hill, a cycling club that promotes inclusion, judgment-free with no gatekeepers. Focused on creating content from behind the handlebars to in the studio, It's Just a Hill is producing videos and podcasts to spread the message that cycling is for everyone. We are focused on reminding everyone that riding your bike can help you overcome any obstacle because after all, it's just a hill. Hello and welcome to another episode of the It's Just a Hill Cycling Podcast. I am John Stenning and today we are talking about the 2023 Vermont Overland. A little bit later in the episode, we will have an interview with Ansel Dickey, the race organizer of Overland. I also chat with Adam and Brian in the second segment of the podcast, and then uh, timing didn't quite work out to get all four of us together, but Jeremy and I will be chatting towards the end of the show. For those of you that don't know about the Vermont Overland, this is a off-road gravel race, uh, off-road gravel, whatever the hell you want to call it. It takes place... Um, in West Windsor, Vermont, which is uh, the starting point is at Escutney Outdoors, which is super nice. I think it's West Windsor, Vermont. That sounds about right. We went up on uh, Friday. The race is on Saturday and we came home on Sunday. Friday, we did a little bit of an opener's ride. That was me, Jeremy, Adam, and Brian. The race day was Saturday. That's 55 miles, uh, about 75, 7,600 feet of climbing. And then we did a nice little uh, recovery ride on the Sunday, went to Brownsville Butcher and Pantry for breakfast, and then headed home. It was an absolute blast. Um, I definitely went into this event with a lot of skepticism and criticism and, uh, sort of went into the event thinking, I'm not doing this again. The price tag is too high. And um, yeah, let's just say, not to spoil the interview coming ahead, I am slightly reconsidering uh, the whole way that I thought about this thing. Yeah, it is uh, an expensive event. Um, one One of the most expensive events that I do for the year, about $165 if you do it without camping. But um, you don't have to sign up for it. And I chose to sign up for it. I chose to be critical of it. And I am I am thinking a lot more positively about it after uh, coming out of the weekend. And that's not because I had a good race. I actually had a pretty shit day on race day. Um, it was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. But I got my first flat at mile 10. I got my second flat at mile 12. I had to put a tube in my rear tire. I was thinking there's no way in hell I'm going to finish this. Let me just pedal back to camp. Um, but I decided to like keep pushing and then, you know, always had the idea in the back of my mind, like, oh, if my tire goes flat again, I'll just go back to camp or whatever. Um, but you know, I ended up riding the other 40, 45 miles, finished the ride. I did go down pretty hard, uh, around mile 40, 45 or so coming down one of these like, uh, class four sections. If you've never heard of class four roads, they are, um, as someone that we met at the ride last year, this is our second year doing Overland, the four of us, uh, that I mentioned before. And, uh, this guy that we met Brian last year, he flew, uh, to Overland from Puerto Rico. And after the ride, he goes, why do they call it Pave? They should just call it fucked up road. And um, no, no truer words have ever been said about class four roads. Basically, they're like old cow farming roads that like the town doesn't maintain anymore. Some of the landowners on the roads maintain the roads, but um, they are just absolute. They're hiking trails. They're mountain bike trails. They're not necessarily the best trails for a hardtail drop bar gravel bike. And um, you still ride them anyway. And they're a blast. But going down one of them, pretty gnarly section, I think my, I think it just got like caught in the mud just right, went over to the side, the right hand side of the road, sort of went over my bars, got something pretty good in my ribs. Uh, I don't think it was my bike. It was probably just like the, uh, you know, the earth that I fell into. Got this weird 
not road rash, but like dirt rash here on my arm and uh, bent my handlebars out of place, had to like put my front wheel in between uh, my legs and like straighten the, straighten the bars out. And um, at some point, I think it was probably before that, I also lost my GoPro. So maybe a mile or so after, a mile or so after I went down, I like looked down to like start my GoPro again and it was totally gone. The, uh, it seems like the screw had backed itself out. Maybe I just didn't tighten it enough uh, because the mount itself was still there, but the GoPro was gone and I was like, fuck, this sucks. Um, but sort of persevered anyway. I wasn't about to turn around and try to find the GoPro because I was already sort of uh, at my wits end and uh, my physical end point, you know, I was like, I was fucking done for the day. And even though I didn't put in like a four hour race effort, like I thought I was going to, I ended up finishing in five hours instead, lost about 20 minutes doing the two flats and lost another 10, 15 minutes, just like pedaling a lot slower or whatever than I thought. So uh, last year's route was a little bit different. I did it in four hours and 19 minutes. This route was quote unquote harder. Um, it was a little bit shorter, but definitely gnarlier. And with all like the water and rain and stuff that Vermont has gotten in in the past few months made those class four sections that much gnarlier, but long story short, I finished, um, the look on my friend's faces when I pulled up to camp was that of elation. They seemed like maybe they were worried that I was coming in so much later than them. Um, we'll hear from them a little bit later on their race experiences and, um, not to bury the lead, is that the right term? Bury the lead? But I did get my GoPro back. One of the lovely volunteers handed it over to Ansel uh, afterwards, and Ansel was kind enough to drive to Brian's mom's house and drop it off. And so the GoPro is back. There will be a video that Brian is currently editing, and that will be out hopefully in the next couple weeks or so. So thank you all for uh, tuning in to this episode. I don't know why I'm talking like it's the end of the episode because it's not, but we're going to uh, head over into my interview with Ansel Dickey, race organizer for Vermont Overland. Okay. Welcome to the podcast, Vermont Overland race director, Ansel Dickey. Ansel, thank you for joining me today. Uh, First of all, I would like to start this chat by I, by publicly apologizing for being maybe a bit of an ass on social media to you and to Overland. Uh, no, I sometimes, I sometimes let that part of me get the best of me and, um, I could have gone about it in a much better way. So I am, I am sorry. And thank you for taking the time to be understanding and chat with me on Instagram before doing this and then coming on the podcast to talk. That's very nice of you. And I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, no worries. Um, Thanks for having me. And that means a lot. Although I don't think it's fully necessary because I've been actively trying to get people to use the hashtag cancel Ansel thing after last year's race. So yeah, the funny backstory to that, if you want to get into that. Um, Yeah, please. But um, yeah. And then one, I also can't, I can't blame you um, or blame others if they had a bad experience last year, because we had a lot of things go wrong that were aside from the obvious like tragedy, um, which is awful. But um, yeah, there's just a lot of things that compounded that were kind of out of our control and then like got worse at the aid stations. And like, um, yeah, we just made it a goal to do better this year. Oh my God. Yes. Text me. Um, And as of right now, it feels like we did, we hit that mark, but, um, the cancel Ansel thing, um, yeah. 
hosting events is crazy. Our event yes. goes to six different towns. We have to get permission to put the event on in all of these towns. We talk to the select boards. Every town has a different policy, um, whether they require a permit or not, or if it's just like a handshake or if it's a phone call, like it, it's all over the map in Vermont. Right. And we got permission to send the race through uh, South Woodstock, which is really Woodstock last year. And then most of the towns, they require us to like put out these signs that say like cycling event this weekend, which is like totally needed because sure, you can't really over communicate an event um, happening, but even that and like posting on front porch forum and making these announcements, like still like it falls through the cracks and people don't know. Um, and so we went out and we put all these like cycling event this weekend signs on the roads, like everywhere on course, but also yeah. in Although, yeah. um, cancel Ansel thing popped up. So about a day before the event, I get this phone call from a random number. And of course I'm pick up, I'm like, hello, this is Ansel. And immediately I'm like, whoa, like this, this like angry old dude is just screaming at me in the phone. And I'm like, oh boy, I bet it's a landowner. So I like, try to calm him down, do whatever. And he's, I find out that he lives on, um, oh man, the, the stretch of the class four is. Uh, this was where the, is this where the sign was? The sign that everyone saw last year yeah. that said cancel Ansel. And yes. maybe people were firing guns in that property as well, I believe yeah. last year. So, I mean, long yeah. story short, um, yeah. I forget the name of the road, but it's a class four road. And a lot, at a lot of these class four roads, you have landowners that live on like the town road or they have bought property that used to be off of the class four road and then got permission from the town to like improve that road so that they can get to their house. But that road okay. and the part of the road that they improve, that the town doesn't maintain, is still like a legal right of way, um, legal throughway. And we had never used this class four before in any course over the nine years it was last year. And um, lo and behold, this dude is like a really, really angry, angry person who lives in the woods um, yeah. and he doesn't like cyclists, but he also kind of had like a weird, quirky, creative side to him. Um, yeah. So basically like he threatens in email and leaving voice messages like, you're not allowed to send the event through here. It's my road. If you send, like, I won't say what he said, like, your homosexual cyclists up the road yeah. um, wearing tight clothing, me and my buddies are going to host, like, a skeet shooting party, and we can't we can't guarantee that cyclists don't get shot, basically. Wow. Something, something to that extent. So it's basically like a gun threat threatening that he's going to shoot over a thousand riders going on what he thinks is his road, but it's not. Right. So we hire police for the event. Um, I, I talked to the police officer in Windsor. I'm like, what should I do? And she's like, talk to the police chief in Woodstock and just hire a detail. So we hired a detail to just like patrol that area, maybe park in front of his house, maybe not. And they're like, they know the guy cause they, he's had problems in the past. Yeah. Um, so I'm on the lead moto and I tell my moto driver, I'm like, okay, we're kind of approaching this, this house. Like we got this gun threat. Um, and my moto guy is insane. He's like, 
oh my god if he pulls a gun on me we're gonna hit him i'm like no don't do that we're not (laughs) and i didn't see the sign but like because i'm photographing i've got the radio i've got a million things going on and we go up the crossroad road he wasn't there but i did see his like american flag car parked in the driveway i was like wow that's that's subtle um and then we pass and my motor driver was like ha ah, cancel ansel that's hilarious <laughs> and then like subsequently 1500 cyclists pass that house and see that sign right. and think it's hilarious so then i was like oh man i should just get stickers or something made because if i cancel myself no one else can cancel me <laughs> yeah it's a great way of looking at it yeah it's like yeah. m&m in eight mile if you just make fun of yourself you own it yourself you know you're uh you're gonna it, i think that's probably the best way of dealing with someone like that. Right. I mean, because maybe trying to have a, uh, relatively, uh, calm conversation with someone that's so fired up like that can't necessarily, doesn't always necessarily go well. So yeah, I mean, it's, I, you embraced it, which is great. And I, you know, cancel Ansel. Well, let's cancel you by the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Sounds yeah. good. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, I very quickly realized that like he it wasn't worth trying to talk to that guy. Um, yeah. And it's interesting, like part of the struggles of promoting an event, and I think this is why a lot of events unfortunately go away, is that like you get different reactions from landowners all across the economic spectrum. Like sure. we have this guy, and then on the v- very other end, in the same like five mile radius of the course, we had like very aristocratic, wealthy horse owners who were like threatening to sue us and then, yeah. and it's like that wasn't even on a class four road that was just because like they had a horse farm and they didn't want cyclists riding by, by their house just by like, their house right by the house on a road yeah. yeah um so after all of that trouble and then compound that with the tragedy that happened yeah. i proactively decided i am not sending the race through woodstock this year they're not welcoming and it's yeah. actually the town that the race started in. The very first year, 10 years oh, ago, wow. started in downtown Woodstock and finished in downtown yeah. Woodstock. And it was actually really cool. But case in point, again, the old promoter, Peter Vollers, got a ton of complaints there. And then he eventually moved the race to a ski area called Suicide 6, now called Saskadena 6. Um, and it was there for a couple of years. And then it moved to his house in Redding when he moved to Redding. And now it's got any outdoors. But... Um, long story short, we haven't had a host venue town like West Windsor that's been this supportive in the history of the event. Um, yeah, I mean, a Scutney's awesome. Brownsville Butcher and Pantry, awesome. I mean, they like absolutely killed it. And so was last year the the first year at a Scutney's? Last year was the first year I did it. Um, was last was, was it at a Scutney Outdoors beforehand too? The so I've this was the third year that I've been running it solo. Gotcha. Um, after taking it over from Peter Vollers, who started it and started the yeah. company um, behind it. Yeah. And this is the third year it's out of Scutney Outdoors, although we had done like other smaller events and community events out of Scutney Outdoors. But Scutney Outdoors has become like the dream host venue for a gravel event or any other larger cycling event in Vermont. Um just with the layout with the parking with the views and like the support um it's actually pretty phenomenal and i think i've chatted with other promoters who have attended the event or 
been to a scouting out the doors and they're like, whoa, this is like pretty special because it's not always like this. No, it's not. And I think that's one of the things. I think there are a lot of things that uh, Overland does really well. Like the social media presence of Overland is awesome. You do such a great job with that. Like just like the general vibe that it puts off seems a lot more, I don't know. I don't want to say just like appealing to people like of our generation, but as someone that does a lot of other gravel and racing events, there's just like a lot of like, you know, older middle-aged like white men you know and like things are like just like very simple and i've done other great events in the area you know whether it be like farmer's daughter or like you know i'm wanting to do like d2r2 next year but overland does stand out amongst the rest because of the social media push i think and that i'm sure has a lot to do with you right and a lot to do with the other company that you're involved with vermont social right you're you're also the owner operator of that is that correct that's correct. Although, fun fact, everyone was asking like why we were wearing, or some people were wearing these like Overland hats. Um, yep. I'm in the process of changing the name of Vermont Social to Overland Dot Studio, but oh, Overland cool. spelled without the vowels and Studio instead of Social because when we started, we did a ton of social media work. Hence, yep. and Vermont Overland was one of our very first clients, um, yep. and we kind of like took that and like went with it. Um, but in that process, we have like done much less social media and way more like production. So we're really just like a studio, we're a creative studio production company. We make films and yeah. take photos and tell stories about people in the outdoor space. Um, I, and if people are listening to this and the audio changes because I just put on headphones because I realized that the echo between the computer and the Zoom was going to be terrible on oh, my Thank you for doing audio. that. Oh. Yeah, no worries. Um, so let's take a little bit of a step back before we get more into Overland and like before we like come down from the high of, of this weekend. Like, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? I read online that you grew up in Cape Cod. Have you always been into like outdoor activities, adventure type of activities? Um, like before you know, growing up, were you, were you into cycling? I read that you also like to enjoy fishing and I know that you do a lot of trail running as well. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, I grew up on Cape Cod. I think I grew up in a pretty athletic family, but never yeah. like given the events that I'm around now, we were never around those kind of events. We just like enjoyed mountain biking and like hiking mm -hmm. and like cycling, like maybe some of the first cycling events I ever did was like this charity ride called the Proudy in Lyme, New Hampshire, raises money for okay. cancer, cancer research. Um, so I grew up in Cape Cod. Uh, my grandparents live in Lyme, New Hampshire. I eventually went to middle school at Cardigan Mountain School, which is an all boys school in uh, Canaan, New Hampshire. Okay. And I kind of like fell into ski racing after growing up and learning how to ski with my grandparents in New Hampshire. Um, kind of enjoyed the ski racing thing. Uh, didn't really enjoy school that much because I'm pretty dyslexic. And um, yeah, just traditional school was always hard for me. Um, and then when I graduated from Cardigan, I was like looking at kind of like the high schools I wanted to go to. I know I didn't really want to spend much time on Cape Cod because the public high schools are pretty brutal. Um, yeah. And I applied to Killington Mountain School in Vermont 
uh, as a skier and got accepted. And at that time they were like still super small, just like ski program in Vermont. And I thought I wanted to be a professional skier. Um, so I pursued that and was still kind of like jerking off in high school, like not really doing anything. And I actually ended up getting kicked out of Killinky Mountain School for smoking weed. Nice. And that was a pretty big wake up call because I had to go back to Cape Cod and go mm -hmm. to like this, like lack of a better term, just shitty public high school on Cape right. Cod with like a ton of people instead of, you know, a small tight knit community. Yeah. Um, and right around that same time that that happened, I got this call from this guy named Peter Vollers, who was starting a cycling program at Killington Mountain School. And he was like a real estate lawyer who lived in Woodstock, Vermont. He was a professional cyclist for a long time when he was younger. And he was just trying to like, he was starting this junior cycling team because he had a passion for it and he wanted to like give back and he wanted to partner with Killington Mountain School because like, when they all do these like dry land training in the spring or fall when it's not ski season and there's no snow. So he was like, Oh, I bet a ton of the like really athletic young kids who have been skiing all winter would might want to cycle in the springtime and maybe the summer and join my team. And I had kind of dabbled in that, that team like the year prior. So he knew who I was. Um, but at that low moment, he called me. He's like, dude, I don't care that you got kicked out of school. I want you to be on the cycling team. Like, start training. Here's the race schedule. Here's what we're doing. And I was like, let's go. So nice. I started doing that. I started yeah. doing that. Um, and I really hadn't trained much. And, like, as a ski racer, I would never really crack the top, like, 15 or, or 20 spots. I just wasn't that good at it. Um and I won the like first three uh, high school races I entered cycling. So I was like, oh, okay. That's that a good feels, feeling. It feels nice to like be good at something and get like a positive reinforcement loop of like you put in the work and then yeah, like it, it pays off and then that happens over and over again. Um, and I hadn't really experienced that yet. So um, we did that and I reapplied to Killington Mountain School as a junior in high school with the idea of, hey, I just want to use your like schooling program to pursue cycling, but I want to be a day student instead of a dorm student. Okay. Live in Woodstock, uh, rent a room from Peter Vollers, who is the coach, and just cycle. And that was like the first all like full time cycling kind of program that Killington Mountain School had. Um, and I was kind of like their only cyclist, but they're like, yeah, I guess that works. You can like, just come to school here, pay the tuition and then be coached by Peter and be a day student and like do your races. Um, because the real benefit of a, a program like Killington Mountain School or Burke Mountain Academy or GMVS or something like that is the fact that they tailor the academics around like your athletic schedule. Oh, nice. Um, and that, that's the real draw for like younger athletes if they're like really trying to pursue something. So I did that. I They accepted me back. Um, I raced junior year of high school, senior year of high school, uh, made the U.S. national team as a junior, and then right out of high school signed with California Giant Berry Farms, yep. which at that time was uh, – 
sponsored by Specialized. So then, like, this is all like very compressed storytelling. Sure. But yeah, um, yeah, sure. moved to California, did a ton of racing. Yep. Like, years went on, swapped different teams, different teams, and uh, did a ton of racing in Europe, did a ton of racing in Asia uh, professionally. And then, like, was kind of like, whoa, this is a pretty hard lifestyle for like sure. not that much reward. Um, I had a teammate who was a really talented portrait photographer and I was like kind of interested. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like you're taking these beautiful photos and we were traveling all these crazy places. So I kind of got into photography. And at that time, I, w I know I didn't really want to be a coach um, per se, because like a lot of people like would coach people online to have extra income on the side. And I think that's totally valid, but I just wasn't that interested in it. Um, so I was, I had this idea in my head. I was like, oh man, I'm like pretty interested in this social media stuff. Like if I can just like get a couple social media clients on the side while I'm racing, I'll be able to do my races. Maybe I can like do the races I want to do instead of like what my team wants to do. Um, so then that kind of evolved and that's the start of Vermont social. Um, and then Vermont social just started growing to a point where it was like, I, one, I'm enjoying this more than racing and two, like I'm making more money than I am racing. So I should probably just go all in on this, on this. Yeah. Um, and I made that call to like stop racing when I was 23 or four um, and kind of felt like I was abandoning a lot of my teammates, but um it was like the single best decision i ever made <laughs> wow yeah yeah so um yeah were you living in vermont full time like did you have like residence in vermont at that point even though you were traveling a lot for cycling yeah like vermont was the home base um yeah and i throughout this whole process i was dating well by the time we moved to california i was dating gertrude my now wife um yeah. and then when we got back from california we we were using Woodstock Vermont as a home base and cool. but I was traveling so much that like nothing really felt like home um but it was still like a really nice place to be and then we would like drive out to California for the winters and stuff like that for training but yeah um yeah time goes quick <laughs> yeah I mean well that's like quite the tale of uh you know I mean, you're a relatively, you're a relatively young man. That's a lot of things to go through and like, you're finding yourselves. And I mean, even just think of going from like being kicked out of school for smoking weed to like almost being this like independent trailblazer that's going to like live with the coach and like be a day player at the school. And I mean, that seems like a, a big jump from being kicked out of the school to, to then like sort of taking matters into your own hands and then, you know growing it into this, this business that's now continuing to evolve and it involves Overland itself and involves like the promoting of it. And like, you know, you're about to go and fly overseas and, and shoot a, shoot a commercial or shoot a documentary. Right. Like, and that's, that seems awesome. It seems like you're, you know, I'm sure there are, you know, there are highs and lows, but it seems like you're living the dream. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, it's fun. It's fun to tell that story because it's a good reminder that it is a good gig, but um it definitely hasn't come without like yeah some hard terror for sure terrifying decisions to like i don't know like for maybe from the period of like when i was 19 until like two or three years ago i was terrified of cocktail parties 
or any sort of party with like an older adult because like they'd be like oh where did you go to school and I would have to explain to them that I didn't go to college and then like they'd be like like oh my god you're a failure and I'm like I'm just now like getting to the point where I'm like comfortable with myself and my decisions you know because I'm seeing the results um but yeah yeah we'll see if they can keep it up it's a lot of work (laughs) yeah hell yeah yeah I mean so like let's let's talk about Overland I think it you know I I was I was overly critical of it I think this year was uh, a huge improvement I think maybe one of the biggest improvements was like bring bring less 500 less people to the event right and I think the trick the trickle down of that alone um, the rest stops being like super well stocked. I mean, as someone that did double flat 10 miles into the ride, I wasn't at those rest stops as early as I had yeah. hoped or as early as I was the first year. Um, and there was right. still was tons of stuff there. The lines, uh, to get food afterwards were so much more manageable. I mean, you're going to wait in line for food anyway, with like a thousand people around, you know, but, um, was, right. was that, was that an easy decision for you to make? Was that a hard decision to cap it at a thousand riders instead of 1500? I mean, there's obviously a lot more that we can talk about coming out of the 2022 Overland and, and deciding to do one in 2023. But like, what was that decision? Like, uh, you know, saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do a thousand yeah. people instead of 1500. Totally. Well, like off the bat, no, not an easy, easy decision. And then yeah. there were like a lot of factors that kind of played into that. And like from your side and like any participants side point of view, whatever you want to call it, it definitely came down to just rider experience. Like we majorly fucked up at key aid stations and part of those mess ups were on us. And then a lot of it was out of our control um, based on like, either our organization of volunteers or our communication mm-hmm. with volunteers and like what needs to be done. And then like certain issues start compounding. Um, and then you combine that with maybe slightly too many riders, yeah. definitely too many riders for that team, but maybe too many riders all at once for that size of an aid station. And like people have to wait in line and it sucks and you pay all this money and you hope to have a good experience, especially if you're in the back. Um, right. Right. And, and then this is also on us, but like some of the people at the front of the race, like get there first and it's like this beautiful aid station and no one's there and they just like stuff their pockets full of stuff. And we're like, wait, we accounted for like everyone to have maybe like two untaps instead of like right. nine. A handful, <laughs> so, yeah, in a full yeah. pocket. Yeah. You're yeah. Like, oh, this is going to be nice next week when I have to train. <laughs> uh, so so there's that side from like the participatory side. We just wanted to improve rider experience. And I thought the easiest way to do that is just make it a smaller event, which I think played true, but that makes it really, really hard on the budget. Right. Um, especially when like we try really hard to make this like a charitable thing. Like we're not a 501c3 nonprofit, but like we want, the event to benefit charities that like directly impact the communities and like that the course goes through because at the end of the day like the towns that host this event or any event take the burden of that event yes they're getting economic stimulus but like in the moment those landowners don't see it um but 
maybe they'll they'll be willing to kind of like put up with the inconvenience of it if they know it's supporting the food shelf or something like scouting outdoors or um wamba which is like woodstock's mountain bike association um yeah. and then the other side of that that after after the tragedy and especially after getting a lot of like kind of quite frankly nasty heartless complaints from people particularly in South Woodstock, like writing letters to the editor of the Vermont Standard, like the Overland is poorly organized, it's dangerous, um, XYZ, XYZ, whatever. Um, I felt like I needed to kind of provide something to the towns to say, hey, we're taking taking X, Y, and Z extra safety precautions, even though what happened is a complete freak anomaly. We still do not know how it happened it just doesn't make sense. And it's like a true tragedy. Um, Like we felt like we had to provide something to these towns to say, Hey, like we're downsizing the event a bit. We're doing these other things. We're redesigning the course um, to try and make it better and safer for everyone involved. And those are the two kind of big factors that led into that decision. And then like coming off the weekend, I think it was a good call. Um, but like it definitely limits the budget. Like it's tough, sure. tough on the budget to do that. Yeah, that's 33% of the of the amount of people. Like that's a lot. That's a big yeah. hit. And and uh I I mean, we don't have to like go over all the numbers here or anything, but you're you know, you're talking about like scutney outdoors and, and the catering from Brownsville and all of that's involved and like, you know, who you're not gonna be yeah. doing it for free. You know, you're not doing this for free. No one like does it you know, like you got to make your time worth it too. I mean, that's the, that's the country that we live in with, with consumerism and capitalism. Right. So, um, you know, you talk about like redesigning the course a little bit, which I'm sure was because you thought like it'd be safer, but then there's also this huge hundred year flood in Vermont, right? Like all of this rain a month, what a month, a month and a half ago, like how much did that, that must've affected it a lot too. And I can imagine that was quite the scramble like I was planning a bikepacking trip in like early August and we were like, what are we going to do? Like, can we do the growler, the, you know, the gravel growler, if you're familiar with it, are we, are we going to be able to do that again this year? We've done it two years in a row already. Um, Or are half these trails going to be washed out? Like, you know, that's, and so you're putting, and that's just me and like four of my buddies, right? You're putting on an an event for a thousand people. And this is something that like, I know a lot of people wait in front of their computers on January 1st to sign up for Overland. I was one of them two years in a row, you know? So that's a lot of anticipation and I'm sure a lot of pressure. What, what was that like? Um, the flood, I don't know. It's just been like the most insanely wet summer in Vermont. Like there was no one big, like some people might be familiar with like Hurricane Irene which sure. kind of came through and like first time in a really, really long time, like flooded a lot of new England and any major waterway, especially ones with like steep banks got like really destroyed, like catastrophic flooding. Um, and they called that a one in a hundred year flood. Right. And then this summer it was just like raining all the time, like really, really, really wet summer. And then all of a sudden like you you wouldn't think anything of it because you just looked at the forecast. You're like, oh, great. It's going to rain again today. But instead of like raining half an inch, it rained like 
three inches or more like a couple days in a row yeah and flooding in certain areas were, were like way worse than hurricane irene partially because the water table was already so high from, right, from all the rain yeah from all the rain um and then that was like that happened and then like another week later that happened again and then yeah. another week later that happened again and it was like three or four weeks of like repeated flooding in vermont yeah. and i feel like there's not one spot to go kind of like see how bad it all was because it happened over such a long period of time, but like mm -hmm. it was really bad. Um, yeah. And the water table is still super, super high. Um, like we were nervous about parking this year because we have these like backup fields that we park people in. Oh, right, right. That like, if it's too wet, we can't really use. Um, so that was a factor, but luckily the, other than rich trail and some of the other class four roads just generally being like a little more washed out and a little more rougher those roads like they're like that year round that's the way they are they're unmaintained roads right and then the gravel roads were like pretty well maintained they get graded they get fixed and they're good to go um and because i was already planning to kind of redesign the course to avoid south woodstock um mm -hmm because of what we talked about already um it was relatively easy for me to like avoid the roads that i knew had a bridge out or had yep. a major washout and the only change i had to make last minute which was okay because i still hadn't really released the course yet to the riders was avoiding like the far the lower section of best road because i got word from heartland that um they're like eh, i don't know if like I send them all the information, I send them the course, I send them all the stuff. And they're like, I don't know if best road is going to be open by then. I'm like, hmm, okay, like we can't risk it. Let's just avoid it. Um, and then I was actually telling your buddy Brian this when I dropped off the GoPro. I was yeah. like, and then I came by the best best road on the moto and the road close sign was gone. And I'm like, I, wow. didn't, put a, I didn't put a cue there in the route of GPS file. So I'm like, oh no, so many riders are gonna miss this turn now because it's a road yeah. that I that had been closed for two months. Yeah. So um yeah, a lot of factors, but um overall I think like the class fours were like a lot, lot maybe twenty percent rougher um than normal. Um and Rich, then, Rich Trail was wild. R absolutely wild. I, I wanted mean, I wanted to see somebody ride that so badly. <sighs> it was just yeah. I mean, it, like and at the point too when you're in the middle of the race with a big group of people, you're sort of you can't ride it because people in front of you are walking anyway, you know, it was sort of that point when I was there, it was sort of that point of the race at least. Um but it would have been wild to see someone cuz even last year, I mean, that's a tricky that's a tricky road, right? I mean, I think no matter what, that's a tricky road. And I did see a video of someone previewing, you previewing the course with someone else. And you were, you, were you just riding a road bike with like 32s on it or something? I have been known, known for <laughs> underbiking. <laughs> it made me feel, it made me feel good about my decision to run a 35 in the back. Um, but then that's the, also the tire I got the flat on. So who knows? I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, know. I think, I think if it was, if it didn't rain on Friday, yeah, it would have been slightly easier. But that said, like last year before the flooding, like if you're a good bike handler and you're willing to like put in the extra effort to, to yeah. ride Rich Trail, you can. 
whether that's like a good race tactic or not is up to you because you're probably just burning a bunch of matches like trying sure. to ride this one section super hard um but it was cool like it's cool to like be able to ride it um this year it was like you had to be either on a hardtail or a mountain bike super fit and like an insane bike handler to ride it right. so right um hopefully it gets improved um we didn't have time prior to the event but it would be pretty easy to improve that to the point improve the trail to the point where it's like pretty rideable um but then again part of the legacy of these like class four roads is that they are unmaintained yeah. they just kind of like right. evolve and change over time so right um that's become a cool iconic part of the course uh i'd be interested to know what's your what was your favorite part of the course mm-hmm. i think i honestly think my favorite part is tarbell hill um oh why i'm interested so i you know maybe it doesn't come as a surprise with the name of the club being it's just a hill but i do absolutely love to climb and yep. you don't get stuff like that i live in rhode island right so you don't get stuff like that around here not five mile climbs at all yeah um and also i think it I think it really stands out to me from this year because that was right before, I mean, right after I had that catastrophic double flat. Right. And so that was, that was like the lowest point of, of my race. Right. I, I got the first flat, I plugged it, I inflated the, inflated the tire. Then I got like less than a mile down the road, double flatted, had to take it off. My, my pump, my pump wasn't working. I put the tube in. And so I'm like, okay, I had this, I had help from a couple other people who were like, you need something, you know, they were stopped or whatever. I like walked my bike 500 yards down the road to like meet up with these other people that were on the side of the road. Um, And then I cross over 106 and I start climbing up Tarbell Hill. And this was like five minutes after I was like, I was like, I'm done. Like, I know, I kind of know where I am. I can just route back to start. This is not like the day I was planning to have. And so I was like lowest of lows, right? So I convinced myself to keep riding. I cross over 106. I've been up Tarbell before. It's right near where uh, Brian, who we mentioned before, his his mom lives right in that area. So we've talked about it. And I, you know, not to like, I'm really patting myself on the back here, but like I started passing people going up that hill and that felt good. You know, that was actually like a good, like redeeming moment where I was like, okay, I'm spinning, I'm climbing, this feels good. And I do like to have that little, I, I I do like to challenge myself. I like to sit and I like to spin. And so I would say that. And then there was also this one point towards the end of the ride. I think it was right at, I did see you at one of the corners. You were at a corner probably around mile, I don't know, I want to say 45 or 48 or so. This was about four, late in the race. Yeah, late in the race, maybe about four hours in. So maybe about 2 p.m. or so. It was kind of a tight corner. You were standing there. There were all the signs encouraging people to like slow down, right? Don't don't be racing yeah. down hills. And right after that, not long after that, there was this big, beautiful vista. Oh, and yeah. the first last year when I did Overland, it was like race pace the whole time. You know, like I'm racing, yeah. I'm racing, I'm racing. Because I double flatted, my mindset was like very different. It was like just finish. And yep. so I got to take in the views and the scenery of Vermont a lot more. And, you know, like last year when I was just like averaging 165 BPM the whole time, you're not taking yeah. it in. You're just like, no. go, go, go. Um, so I would say those two, uh, the Tarbell Hill, because it's just you know, here and, and just like the beautiful scenery that is, that is Vermont. I mean, like, I think that's why people, maybe that's why people come and do a ride like that, that aren't even interested in, 
top 100 or top 500 mm -hmm. or whatever, right? It's because they're getting to experience this quintessential New England. Like you're talking, I'm talking covered bridges, the best gravel roads around and just like mountains and mountains and like horse farms and just absolutely yeah. beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. You like, you, you spend, I don't know, 10 20 30 minutes just like deep in the woods on some of these class four roads and then you yes. pop out and you're like whoa that's where i am absolutely yeah yeah it's beautiful so it's it cool. really is yeah yeah we had we had fun one of my favorite things is like after the race finishes finishes i have no idea like where my attention or time is going to be called but yep. like we were called that intersection because another course marshal had to like leave so i was like okay like me and the other moto guys will go back out and just hang at that intersection so we got there and like every every year some of my one of my favorite things to do is just like see and cheer on and encourage the people at the back because yep. it, is, it is just so funny and fun to watch and like be a part of we had this one dude like we're like slow down slow down slow down and he was absolutely hauling down the hill yeah. And I thought he was just going to like take the turn like everybody else, but instead he just like skids and breaks and stops. And he's got this like Hawaiian flannel, like floral shirt on. Yeah. And, and he's like, do you guys have beer? And of course my like insane moto driver, Dylan McNicholas, he used to actually race cyclocross and was a good cyclocrosser back in the day. Oh, cool. He's like, he's like, yeah, I've got beer. Course light. And like this dude just like chugs the course light and then goes on his way. Awesome. And like, uh dylan was like oh he's gonna be feeling that on this next hill like yeah. i guarantee it <laughs> yeah. that, uh, it so, stories like that make me actually believe in the spirit of gravel i think the spirit of Wait. gravel is yeah no go ahead i have a question for you because i only yeah. just found it out today we had a volunteer drop off like the remaining signs that uh were out on course and like he was also he rode like sweep for the first 20 miles or so yep. so that means he hit the first three class fours before aid station one and then he kind of bailed yep. um and he's like he's like yeah we like at the entrance to uh the third class four, which is town farm road yeah he's like yeah I, I, yeah i got there and there was just like this giant like bar set out with like a bunch of high noons and beer and then i called uh, my other logistics guy, Ben Bardwell, was like, dude, do you hear about this? Apparently there was like a beer stop at Town Farm Road. And we that was unplanned, had no idea who it was. Don't wow. know who the landowner is, but apparently they just like set up a, a table with like a bunch of beer and like cornhole for the riders. Yes. yes. And it was like, a, yeah, did this happen? Did you experience that? or am I, I? No, I did experience it. And it was like because i also experienced something very similar last year where some guy was just like handing out budweiser's at one point it was sort of like towards the second half of the race but this seemed like an upped version of that where yeah there so was funny. cornhole like they wanted people to stop and party mid-race <laughs> and actually i talked to a dude that was like camped out near us because like we camped out at a scutting outdoors and he was like he's like yeah these dudes were like partying. I stopped and I grabbed a beer and he's like, it was not a good idea. Like I just <laughs> can't, I can't imagine, especially at that moment, like doing it maybe with five miles left, maybe you're thinking, okay, it's not going to quite hit me until I finish or whatever. Although that finish, well, we can talk about the finish in a little bit. The finish is wild. It is like a cyclocross finish going up that like yeah. little, that final, yeah, yeah. Uh, it just, it's just absolutely wild. I can't imagine, um, 
I, I, I myself do not drink. I do like to smoke weed. I can't imagine doing anything like that, like at that moment in a race. You know what I mean? It's just like so. But to me, that's like what makes an event like that fun. You know, like not to just like talk shit about dudes that only ride on the road, but like roadies can have such a stick up their ass and people that ride mm -hmm. gravel or ride off road. I think it makes me believe in the spirit of gravel. It makes me think that like, okay, we're out here to have fun. It's not just about like standing on top of a podium. I mean, and yeah. I think that like Kyle Murphy, right? Is that his name? Who won first place this year? Yep. That guy, no, that guy Dude. fucking rules. That guy, he was fucking camping out, hanging out afterwards Dude. with his cool ass sunglasses on. That guy <laughs> fucking rules. He was yeah. literally like, he watched the last finisher come in and he had yep. his kid. And then yep. he like made a s'more by the fire. And he's like, okay, do you want to go? Like, he like asked his son, he's like, do you want to go back to the tent now? Let's log roll down the hill. And they just log rolled down they the did? hill. They did. Amazing. To the tent. That um, final, so I was at the I was at the finish line when those last like few people came across the line, and that too, I think was was amazing. You know, like mm -hmm. there was that one 11 year old kid who came in at just about about eight Wyatt. hours. Yep, so crazy, a yeah. absolute monster. And then a couple people came in after after Wyatt, right? And like yeah. just like the champagne toast, sprayed him down with champagne. Everyone's fist bumping this dude, and to me, that makes it makes everything worth it and i i wonder how you feel about that because i saw the smile on your face when that was happening and it looked like an amazing moment like between yeah dude Wyatt yeah. and everyone finishing like because it's one thing to be on your bike for four four and a half hours i mean how what, what did kyle do it in um what three and a half three three, three? ten three fifteen yeah. something like that yeah but to be out there for eight hours and to continue pushing you know i talk about my low moment at like mile 12 being like i'm out of here you know to to ride those roads to be an 11 year old kid that makes it all worth it that 11 year old kid finished yeah. and like everyone's cheering for him spraying him down with topo chico it ruled it absolutely ruled dude and i like kudos to you guys yeah, for, for that yeah it gives me shivers like talking about it i swear Same. Because, it brought a tear to my like, eye that was honestly the, it honestly did yeah, yeah like yeah. and this is the first year that i think the event has kind of like taken on something like that where it's become something a little bigger than just what it is yeah i don't know like how to say that um where it's kind of become this thing like yeah, for Kyle and for Ian or for Sarah or for Maud, like, yep. like, yes, it's a super technical race. It's like high intensity. They finish it. They're fucked. They're tired. But it's not like they were not out there all day and they're not like they they can't they can still walk, you know, like, right, right. But like for some of these people who are a little bit more average and more normal, like like 55 ish miles on this kind of course in Vermont. Yeah has become something that's just like an incredible accomplishment to complete agreed and like that's that's arguably one of the things that i'm like most pumped up about i was like oh and i like i had never like thought about it in that way because i come from like a bike racing background sure you know like you like show up and you take your goo on the start line and you race and then you right. put your feet up on the couch afterwards like right, right. um and yeah, it was just like so, so cool to witness that. And it's the first time that I felt like the event has had that kind of like vibe and camaraderie to like 
cheer others on that are going through that or kind of like overcoming that struggle and completing it because they complete it and they're like exhausted yeah but they also have this smile on their face that's like yeah. whoa yeah um yeah it was cool man i don't know it was it's really like cool. a, another thing that kind of came to my mind when you were talking about um just invention in general is like once you get that many people together in any kind of like er circumstance or area or event like i think it kind of it becomes its own thing it almost becomes its own organism whereas like m one of my favorite parts of these events is like hearing the stories of other people's experiences because like i didn't even know that there was like a, a quote unquote beer stop at right, like right. A complete i didn't even know that lander i don't know who there is who they are yeah. like i'm gonna try and find out who they are and thank them and like ask if we can do it again because it's awesome yeah. and then like um just other stories out on course like one of our volunteers who is like a friend who was staying at my house like a long time long time friend like somehow was asked to like drive a sheriff's car back to their house because like they and he's like dude yeah i was just like asked to like drive this cop car back to their house and then i got picked up by another volunteer and then i was brought back to the venue i'm like how is all of this happening all yeah. at once meanwhile i'm like on the moto radioing like all of the the things and the communication and the people going in different directions all at the same time is like insane um and it's really wild to experience and be a part of um and then also see people who you like give roles to or like entrust certain tasks with and they just like take it in stride and like sometimes it's hard to like give up that control and like be like can you like do this for me or ask for help and then they you just like trust people to do something and they they come through it's pretty nuts um yeah. so yeah those are all my feelings post event um and what wants what makes me want to like continue to do it because like my day job is the production company like right. this is very like the month before the bike race like i scramble to make it happen and then the rest of the year it's just like oh great like all right i gotta figure out like uh update the website uh update bike ridge and get like some communications out um right so i don't know it's like it's just a cool thing it's a super cool thing and i mean you everyone did so i mean you did such a great job and i think you know going into it i was like I don't know if I'm going to do this again, you know, especially because I was concerned about like the price point and everything, but like, no, you were going mean, to dude, you were going to do a cancel Ansel post. I swear. You I, I, <laughs> I would have, I turned to Brian at the start line when you were walking up to start talking, I turned to Brian and I go, Brian, is not a good time. Were, were you yeah. on the front line or were you like second I row? Was, I was like second or third row. Yeah. Nice. And I, sick. I was like, I was like, Brian, is now a good time to start a cancel Ansel chant? And he looked at me like, you fucking better not, you know? Uh, <laughs> but that, but that I have the I have a total opposite attitude towards it now. Like you not, I mean, you sort of alluded to it earlier. I lost the GoPro somewhere. I like who who found you? It was it's Dude, been found. Another, it's been given to Brian. I can't even I, believe that it's been another found. another yeah. story from like an event that's like weird, crazy and serendipitous. It's like, I don't even, it's so much chaos at the finish line. Like someone handed me that GoPro 
And I think it was one of my, our support drivers. He was like, yeah, someone lost a GoPro on course. I'm like, okay, great. Add it to lost and found. We're cleaning up the scutney outdoors yesterday. I'm like, most of the lost and found is like disgusting, empty bottles and socks. So I'm like, socks. that stuff's getting thrown out. I'm sorry. I'll buy you a new bottle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you really are attached to your disgusting bottle. Um, and then this GoPro and like a cracked cell phone. Yeah. And so like GoPro goes in my car, I go down to the Brownsville butcher and pantry and first time all weekend where I just like get to sit and like eat something and I'm like doing emails or being on my phone. And then I was scro- like checking what, who like tags us like on social in yeah. and it's a very dyslexic way of saying that. Um, and I saw your stories, like lost my GoPro and I'm like, no fucking way <laughs> i was like <laughs> amazing dude dude we've got a gopro yeah um yeah and then i i had to go out back out on course anyway to pick up some signs so and yep. brian's i think it's his mom's house or something correct was yep. like yep. right on the way so i just dropped it off with him and um yeah like that's a cool thing about these events it's just like a lot of people work together to like make shit happen and yeah then the shit happens it's awesome yeah and it's just like you know, you could you could sit around a fire for hours and, and trade stories of just what happened in in 24 hours or what happened in eight hours of a, of a race day, right? I mean, because yeah. it's just that that perfect confluence of events of everyone like you're meeting new people, you're you're riding with different people that you've never met. You know, you have this plan going in. Like we were like, we're all gonna ride together. Well, guess what? We didn't. You know, and like right. I get to ride with other people and meet other people and. Uh, yeah. Um, so I just have I have just one last thing I'd like to chat about before before we get out. Yeah, here. totally. Um, totally. So I, I saw a post on 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 Instagram. You mentioned him earlier, Ian Boswell. He put up this picture. Right. And, and the words, the caption of the picture were were unbound is long. Gravel Locos is fast. Steamboat is fun. But the Vermont Overland is relentless. And so <laughs> like it must feel great to be compared to those those events. Right. And and like do you do you anticipate like overland was quote unquote like harder this year right it wasn't necessarily your plan to make it harder but the way things all yeah. shook out like do you plan on continuing it to make it harder like do you do you like that it's relentless are you are you not even thinking about next year at this moment just because you know it was just just a couple of days ago now yeah totally i mean ian's a really good friend yeah. um and i think both of I, both of us have the mentality that like East Coast events in general, especially maybe Vermont events, yeah. um, are completely underappreciated and undercovered when from the perspective of like international media. Totally and agree. It's just like, okay, how many friggin' stories can we tell about Unbound right. or some other pancake flat, like long, way too long gravel race with a road service that never changes and that you people just slap on aero bars to do because they're going to be pedaling straight forever um no doubt that is hard to do and hard to complete sure. and it is yeah. an accomplishment but like it's just not what i'm into um and i've been to those events events a bunch and i've documented them but uh i think I thought the course was going to be slightly easier this year because maybe it was like a little couple miles less. But I think yeah. because of the class four roads due to the flooding were a little bit rougher, made it feel harder overall. 
plus those like last three climbs on Coon Club Road, that when you look at the elevation profile, it doesn't catch your eye in sure. compare in comparison to like what happened prior or the hills prior. But then you're like fatigue is compounded and you get there and like you have these three punchers that you're just like what in the world yeah like yeah these climbs are ridiculous and then you yeah you coast down to the finish and you finish but um but then that really, finish is gnarly like that finish yeah. that goes back behind brownsville over that bridge and you're like cutting yeah. through these fields and it is like very like cycle so backwoods and, yeah, yeah it's like yeah and you come like around that guardrail and then you hit the road and you're like, oh shit, nice, I'm on the road. It's like, no, you're not on the road for long. You're, you're, gonna, you're gonna take that left and head through the field a little bit. And yeah, I mean, yeah. And you're hearing the you're hearing the MC sort of like calling people in and like that, it's getting louder and louder and you're hearing the cheering. I mean, right, there were also right. tons of people on course. Like I must've passed, that was I'd say cool no, part. Yeah. no less than a hundred people on the side of the road cheering like saying funny things, saying things yeah. to encourage you. I mean, it was, it was awesome. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. We like, we make all these posts on like the West Windsor and like local towns, like front force forum and the lead up yeah. just to like notify people about the event. And I, I try really hard to like be super encouraging and be like, these riders are going to be out here for X amount of hours, like come and watch them join in on the fun. Like, like if like come get some food and watch people finish and like it was really cool to see it like a lot of people out in lawn chairs yeah. and with their like coolers or grills like just yeah, watching just the sitting race. at the end of their driveway what i was bombing yeah. down the hill and one dude was like what goes down must go up like he's just like, yelling <laughs> that, you know like as it, it just like was awesome it really was and like i yeah. only think i heard one nasty comment and it was during like the neutral start it was right after we took the left oh, off the road on a house on the right hand side of the road someone was like go home they were just like sitting in their porch go home oh, oh yeah. really interesting but i mean compared to last year where the big i think i I think I, and... I think I own the field next to that lady's house i bet she's <laughs> yeah that's interesting yeah i mean um, so like that's gonna happen you're gonna get people that don't understand it at all i mean that but that must be also like hard to deal with at times you know like you're you're a person you know like you're not like yeah. like yeah, and, totally. but, and that's like you're not just just overland or you're not just like someone that's promoting something like you have feelings just like everyone else and that's uh that's tough like so i mean yeah. fuck yeah dude you, fu you fucking yeah. crushed it thank you so much I, you really yeah dude i appreciate that that means a lot like you like events in general i think are such a hot mess that like sure. in the lead up it's this, like this chaos of stress and cortisol and like not sleeping and not eating mm -hmm. and then it can either go really well or can go really bad and then like if it happens to go really well it's just this massive release of like whoa that we did a good job that feels awesome yeah hell um, so like yeah getting positive feedback from you and other people feels good but yeah back to your question on um if I plan to make it harder. No, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to make it harder because I think okay. right now it, it fits into like this niche of like events that not a lot of people are operating in where yes. it's like, we, we don't do different length courses because I think that dilutes the accomplishment of the rider. Um, yes. It's nice to like appeal to more people and make it accessible to more people, which I also think we, work really hard to do but like when you have like a 10 mile 
option, a 15 mile option, a blue, red, green, yellow, rainbow colored course, yeah. it dilutes what you're actually doing together. And I think like, it's really cool that a thousand people line up to do the exact same thing. Yes, some people don't complete it. They can still hang out afterwards, but like yeah. for the people that complete it, they did something that was really hard and like legit and like reinforced by the fact that like there was no other option. Right. Um, and then I That's think that option. Yeah. No, sorry. I think no, you're good. I think that option too is like, like all gravel races don't need to be 200 miles long. Like, yeah. Like, like there's something really cool that like the front people that finish in this race can like have a race that is intense and different and like quote Ian relentless in the sense that like climbing, 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 descending, but not descending and resting, like descending technical stuff or yes. stuff that you really have to pay attention on. And then you're climbing again. Um, so that's an interesting challenge for them. And then it's just like a really you, 55 miles can become something that's incredibly hard for somebody who's average to just complete. Um, sure. So the goal is to like maintain that philosophy and not necessarily make it harder, but like if we have to change the course, the change the course has changed a lot over ten years. Like, yeah, yeah. I've, I'll always change the course, most likely. But like, the goal is to maintain that, like, you know, philosophy of and niche of where it kind of fits into the landscape. Yeah. Well, hell yeah! Thank you. Thanks again for taking the time to do this. Is there anything you want to say? Anything else you want to get out there before? before no, you start likewise. Likewise, packing, man. I guess. Yeah, I got to pack. Uh, no, just thanks. Thanks for inviting me on and um, yeah, being willing to chat. And yeah, hell yeah. Uh, I hope you guys come back. And then I was talking to Brian. I was like, yeah, if you guys are in the area, we should ride. We should run. Yeah. It'd be fun. Yep. Yeah, let's let's ride together. I'll 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 do some running on some trails, too. I'm not much of a runner, but uh, I would I would love to do that. Oh, my my, my yeah. secret like thing is uh getting more cyclists into running because i now i'm obsessed with running so you got it you got to come on a trail run or something all right else, so. all right i'm in i'm in and yeah i will uh if i don't if i don't see you before next year at overland uh, i'll see you then but i'd love to run together ride together and thanks again for taking the time to do this and thanks thanks for giving me a chance after i was uh you know a prick to you on no street. dude yeah. all good all good man all cool. good all right thanks thank you ansel yeah Later. Hawks and peace. Hi, I am back. I am John, of course. You were already listening to the podcast before, unless you somehow skipped forward like an hour into the podcast or something. But I am here with fellow IGEN members, Brian Cotty, Adam Carroll. We all did Overland together. Jeremy isn't with us. He's going to join me later in the show. How are you guys? Thank, Thank you for coming. I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm doing still- great, too. Still riding the high of Overland? Still riding the yeah. high, drinking my uh, Overland Ale. Wow. Overland Ale. Yeah. How was the Overland Ale this year? That's something that they did last year. They did it. How would you guys... Would uh, what, could, could you compare uh, it to last year's? Do you remember what last year's was like? I remember enjoying more uh, last year's more. That's I can't remember exactly, but I remember enjoying last year's last more. Last year was uh, I mean, it's all zero, gravity. Thing, right? yeah. zero gravity. Yeah. Different brewer. I liked the label last year. Had the little bike on it. This year, it has like oh, yeah. the uh, the cool guy cars that they all had. 
Man, they got some cool ass cars, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Ace yeah, Ventura bike race. Uh, you know, got the car show. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, we're going to talk about our experiences with Overland this year. We all did it last year. Now we're, we were back for 2023 with Jeremy. And, um, yeah, I mean, let's let's start at the very beginning. We go let's, – let's, let's rewind the tape back to January. We were all waiting to sign up, and I think the anticipation started there. And then eight months later, um, I feel like the sign-up process wasn't as bad as it was. Not bad. Bad is the wrong word for it. It wasn't as congested as it was in 2022. Would you guys say the same? I mean, I have my alarm set, so I don't really know because I was like 10 a.m. January 1st. <laughs> we just I knew did. what I was doing. Yeah. We yeah. just did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. so we we camped. I feel like our camp. Let's talk about our camping setup first. We all sort of had a different camping setup than last year. Um, Adam's tent is almost as big as the room that I'm sitting in now, <laughs> and uh, that was yeah, wild. So we sort of like learned from what we did last year and we camped again this year and we were once again one of the first people set up there was you know there's always a there's always someone there's always a, a flying ointment if you will that was like no no you can't park here but that person wasn't even affiliated with what was up with that guy what was that guy's deal he was just a guy he was table guy table that was guy, the guy that lit the table on fire, on fire last year yeah that's and that's in the is that in the video him lighting the table on fire or is it that is yeah of it? it's in the video oh, yeah. from last year so if you haven't yeah. watched our video from last year we're also going to be putting out a video for this year i sort of am assuming that the podcast will come out first but who knows we're just recording it now um video later and uh the but the the parking attendant attendant that we met jesse that guy fucking ruled jesse that was the man yeah. yeah jesse was cool he's like you guys are fine you know, because technically it's car camping, but like I paid for a car and drove me up, so I didn't have a car. And basically, they were like, like you got ten feet for, per person, so we sort of divvied out our the four of us our forty feet. And uh, Brian and Jeremy had these cool like camping in the back of their cars. Brian, how did you feel about that camping in the back of your car? In the car was fine, but I would get a sleeping mat next time because <laughs> that little yeah. bump where your seats fold down. Right. Fucking working for you on my back. Yeah. Um, yeah. but in the car was fine. I was dry. Temperature was nice. Yeah. But it didn't rain as much as we thought it was going to, right? I mean, they were sort of uh Yeah, we got lucky. We got super yeah, it was lucky. pretty good. Yeah. We were we were thinking it was gonna be raining during setup. We were thinking it was gonna be like scattered thunderstorms during the race, and it wasn't. It basically ended up just raining what, like three or four PM? After the race, yeah, all the four of us were done. Yeah, for like yeah, twenty minutes, if that. Yeah, and then we ended yeah. up going Beautiful up and like weekend. getting food. It was it was great. Um, Much nicer than last would you year. Camp again next year? Would you camp again? Yeah. yeah. Camping rules. These people staying at down at the Holiday Inns. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. Staying at your Holiday Inn. I think the camp is a lot of fun. You're meeting people. Uh, you're talking, you know, like people are walking by, you're getting to see everyone sort of, it was nice being there early too. Um, you know, sort of kings, kings of the castle. If mm. you know. uh, it's yeah. We sort spot. of like, yeah, I think there's sort of a presence that we bring, you know, with Jeremy playing Drake really loudly or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Of, I thought, I thought it was a lot of fun. I would camp again. I, I do think there that camping might not be like, the best idea to do the day before a race, right? Especially if you're like sleeping in the back of your car or something. But I do think that the payoff of being there, waking the up in the morning, there is amazing, right? I mean, yeah, really I just think it's all about the vibe. 
Yeah. Just like the the way the whole weekend flows together. Right. It makes yeah. me want to camp at other events, right? Like we're we're sort of already been discussing maybe what we might want might want to do next year. We all did Farmer's Daughter this year. I want to camp at Farmer's Daughter next year because it's just like just seems rad. You get to meet more people. You're not just like in a hotel or something and you can just like hang out. You wake up in the morning and you're there. You're you're ready to go. Even like I think most of us woke up around six AM. The race wasn't until ten, but it was like a nice and easy morning, right? Brian, yeah, you don't you, have to go did anywhere. You, yeah. When did you go for a run? Did you go for a run before? No. When was that? Yeah, today. Run? Wait, you today. didn't strap on your sneakers and run when we were camping? No. Oh, <laughs> is that just sarcastic? Yeah. Did you say I'm going for Classic. a run? Oh, okay. Yeah, I probably said I thought that you like really did. times, but I never actually did. I thought you really did at one point. Just went for like a quick mile jog. There is no, that. Um, I didn't do the mountain let's mile. All, let's all do the mountain mile next year. No, you guys will watch it. No, you're I'll doing do it. Mile. I'll do it next I'm year. If John I'll does do it, it, Adam has to do it. I'm right, top 30 next year, man. You can I don't want to ruin it. Wow. But but there's a combined. There's a combined, <laughs> like, whoever finishes best in the run, wow. best in the race. Yeah. Yeah. So... Would you say you're, you're going for top ten next year? Top top thirty. You don't want to ruin it, you know. Wow. Top thirty. Adam, Adam, you did you did really well, Adam. We're all so proud of you. Maybe as proud as your mom is of you. You got fiftieth place. Good job, Adam. Nice work. Thank you. Sub four hour. Sub four yeah. hour, dude. How you feeling? Honestly, the place the place doesn't mean as much as the sub four hour. That's kind of what I had in my mind. And honestly, I was even more stoked because yeah. as I was realizing the course was more difficult. The fact that I did better i got 401 last year or something rhode island yeah um yeah the fact that i did better on a harder course and broke sub four was more important than the place to me like that was my personal goal i was cool i beat it i got like 356 or something yeah so the course was a little bit shorter this year but i think it was more challenging in more ways than one not only the parkour of it but because of like all the floods that vermont got everything was like super washed out and uh especially like those class four sections like Rich Trail, oh Ansel and I were talking about it. He really wanted he really wanted someone to try to like clear the whole thing like on a traditional gravel bike. You know, maybe maybe some people were successful on, on mountain bikes or whatever, but I don't think anyone was it. Was it confirmed if uh, any like did Ian or Kyle or any of them clear it? I do not think anyone cleared it on a traditional wow. gravel bike. Not a hundred percent. Uh, not without at least like putting a foot down or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, cannot I mean, imagine being able to. Yeah, I mean, it. Yeah. Um, because that shit is wild. And that's something yeah. that Ansel and I talked about a little bit is there's sort of this, this niche of what that race gives compared to some of these other premier gravel events. You know, we talked about Unbound or, or Steamboat or Gravel Locos or, you know, and those are all races that everyone that finishes them is, it's a hell of an accomplishment, but it's very different than 55 miles and 7,500 feet of climbing with seven class four sections. If you're not aware of what a class four road is, basically, if you ask our friend Brian from last year, <laughs> it's just fucked up road. It's just fucked up road. It's it's road that they don't touch. They don't it's do like it. even calling it a road is generous. Like most of yeah. the sections, ATV, Rich you couldn't pass it. Yeah, not a road. Not a road. Yeah. You can't Rich drive up trail there. hasn't been road since the 1600s. Yeah, exactly. It's just like what they used to bring cattle down at one point, and then they were like, "Well, it's still it's just like a throughway, you know." 
and it is open to the public, but it's totally unmaintained. And it's basically a hiking trail, yeah. right? And it's not a hiking trail like you might find around here. Maybe most of our listeners are from the southern New England area, and maybe you've been to like Arcadia, or maybe you've gone to the winter and like this stuff is it's steep as hell. It's grueling. The gravel muddy, roads, wet rocks, beautiful, and the class four roads, yeah, are muddy and wet and. Like, I mean, there were parts where we were just plowing through puddles and like streams up and down. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a hell of a challenge. And it, um, I think that's sort of what Ansel will be going for, not to speak for him, but in the future is sort of finding this box of a very challenging, you know, course that doesn't necessarily it, have to be 200 so miles, hard. but it's still hard as yeah. Hard as that, the, the metrics do not do that ride justice because the you know I mean if you did that on a road bike or even gravel around here whatever but yeah I mean I literally worked my butt off as hard as I could for a thirteen point nine mile an hour average ride right and that was like right. full gas effort that I couldn't give anymore right yeah and yeah. that's something too is like people yeah. will look at just like the surface level and be like oh what, what was your average speed it's like who fucking cares dude like yeah you know you're like, that's all out yeah. the window. Yeah, it's all out the window. It is just totally it, it it sits apart from any other like event or course that I've ever ridden personally. And I do think that like it should be considered up there with these other races that people nationally or internationally, right? Like everyone talks about unbound, right? Everyone fucking talks about unbound. Let's get people talking about overland, right? Like because overland, I mean, at least in my mind, that is in New England. That's like here, I, but it's only locally. Yeah, I'd like to see it more yeah. national exposure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would no, consider it the not... premier gravel event here locally. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so you know, we we set up our camp, we hung out, we you know, it was a little bit uh, overcast. There weren't too many people there, but then we wake up the next morning and people are starting to file in. And we're saying that it's like, it's great to be there early in the morning. And uh, what, what our morning of, um, we did a little like shakeout ride. We went up the hill and we lined up pretty early this year. We lined up earlier than last year and we lined up closer than last year, right? Yeah, we were within yeah. what, 20 yards of the start. Yeah, like line three or four, like in third or fourth line of people, essentially, you know? Yeah. Um, I do, uh, you know, somehow still didn't. Seem far enough. No, still, no. Uh, somehow still didn't seem like we were far enough ahead. No, because even if you're starting in that point, you people behind you are still trying to pass you, even if it is they a quote unquote yeah. neutral start. Get, like you get boxed out instantly. Yeah, people fly by you. They're putting down the power just to get down. Oh, friggin' ski toe road and take that. Mm-hmm. Take that first left. Um, Guy with a lawnmower. Yeah, dude with the lawnmower just mowing his lawn. Was that the same guy from the picture? Yeah. Yes. That's the same yep. guy from the picture that you sent us? God, yeah, it's so good. This guy is just mowing his best. lawn like it's a it's the best thing. We got to share it. It's we just Saturday. We got to share it on our Instagram. It's just a regular old day for this guy. He's mowing the lawn and like it's – yeah, here we go. He just mowing his lawn. <laughs> He's just literally turning around in the middle of the road. And what does the caption say? Because it's a little bit more. Caption for it, Brian. It says, "Don't forget about the e-bike category." <laughs> That's really great. It really is. Um, so we're great. all we're all sort of like staying together at this point. Um, we stuck together for what, maybe ten miles until I was going to say about Latin. ten miles. Yeah, and then I never saw you guys. The, the second class four, I think, was the last time I saw you and Jeremy. 
after the yep. second class four. And then yeah, Adam and I were together till Tarbell Hill, and then he yeah. dropped my ass. Yeah, well, I was nice trying to catch time. you after that class four because you got out of there before me. Oh, he did? Nice. Yeah, I took a little tumble, that little spill, and Brian got away. And then, uh, yeah, and oh, I, I saw him up the road, and I was putting on some power to try Adam to catch him. Had... Brian, did yeah, you? Yeah, I saw you coming up. No, what? no, no I saw yeah. after I got through the, the second class four. Um, I, I kind of slowed up because I could see Adam. I turned back and I saw him coming up and I'm like, well, there's no point for me to hammer ahead. I just, I, I waited up for him. And then the two of us rode to the 106 crossing up Tarbell. Yeah. And then, and then he fucking dropped my ass. <laughs> and Tarbell, yeah, and Tarbell is something else, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. about five miles long. Is that right? And about a thousand feet of elevation. So, about it's not so Tarbell turns into another road. Okay. Um, so the two combined roads, it was like four miles and a little over a thousand feet. Yeah. It was a lot. Which is amazing. Yeah, like about two hundred and fifty feet a mile or give or take. It, can, it just Yeah. Yeah, I mean you know, it's wild. And then like you still have so much race to go, you know? Like so how do you manage that yeah. effort? Adam, how did you like were you looking at were you looking at your heart rate or your power or anything like what, uh, i could do my heart rate process? and my power like i was looking at those numbers but really the one trick that i had was the fact that my gearing was so crappy i had no choice but to just go fast up the hill i mean i was 40 42 and it was like i couldn't i just yeah there was a minimum amount of power i had to put down to just keep going and it ended right. up being that that just kind of was like a certain speed and it was harder than i probably wanted to go but i was feeling good it's the beginning of the race you now you're in the zone you have the adrenaline rush yeah, yeah. i just kind of was doing my thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, like looking back on it, would you have done that portion any differently? Like, I mean, uh, you maybe did great. You had a great slower. Finish. Yeah. Maybe marginally slower. Cause I was hanging on to the group that was towing around like towards the end and before it got broken up. But, uh, I was doing yeah. some pulls on the front of that group at the end of the ride, but not as many as I should have or could. I was just like hanging on to her dear life. So I would have liked to have a little more, uh, of an effort at the end, but, uh, if I had a 38 tooth ring, it probably would have been a little bit better. But yeah, 40 42 was worse than what I had last year. So, did you pretty much stay with this, the same group for the rest of the ride? Yeah, I was with a lot of the same people for a long time. And it got to a point where I turned around and there was like no one behind us. And it was like eight of us. And I was like, oh, this is like, I can't get dropped from this group, even if I'm just hanging on the back. I'm like, I cannot lose these guys or else I'm going to be alone. Right. Brian, what about yourself? Were you riding with groups at that point? Were you surfing groups or how did that pan out for you after uh, you and Adam were separated? This year was like completely different than last year. Last year I worked with a a bunch of groups and uh, I don't know. Last year I was weird because I felt better and I was like more in the zone. Um, I don't know what happened this year. It was kind of like when I hit Tarbell... I lost the group that we were with and there it was kind of split up from that class four. Yeah. And then I don't know. I, I, when I hit Tarbell, I, for some reason, I just like, wasn't putting in an effort. I was like, just kind of like spinning up it for some reason. I just had like a weird mindset. I don't know. Um, but I got up after I finished that climb, uh, I was kind of popping in and out with different groups, but I was like mostly by myself the whole time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, weird. sometimes it just doesn't. Weird. 
sometimes it just doesn't go your way. I mean, whether it's you know, like your your legs or like with me, we're just like you're getting a fucking mechanical. Like, what are you gonna do? You know what I mean? Like, there's you yeah. Know, but I will say, like, I I feel like. All right, let's let's move past Adam. Adam did really well. We get it. He placed Yay. 50th. We're really proud of Adam. But if if it's a bad day, it's still worth it, right? Would you would you say that, Brian? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um Yeah, like there was a lot of points. Um let's see. Yeah, when we got to Tarbell, it was mo- it was when we hit Rich Trail. I I was going into Rich Trail with a couple people. Yeah. Um and that very first section where it's like super steep where it's still rideable before it gets yep. into that crazy like rock led shit. Um yep. I was putting in the p- power to get up that one section and a right hamstring cramped. Like I felt it coming on and the second that came on I was like I'm fucked. <laughs> like um yeah, so and that was like in the worst possible spot for that to start. Cause I knew like Rich Trail is like a mile long. And just knowing that I had to get through that. And then now knowing that I have a leg cramp starting, I was like, this is fucking awful. So wrote it as much as And you're as still I like could. what, 20 miles in? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If that. Yeah. Um, dude in front of me, Dab, stopped everybody that we were with because I was still riding it. Every and then there was the pressure of all the people behind me that I could uh, that I knew were riding it. I'm like, I cannot fuck up because then I'm gonna fuck all them up. Dude in front of me fucked up, so he fucked all of us up. And I'm like, I just grabbed my bike and started running because I couldn't do it. Like you, you, you can't, can't start once you on. stop. Yeah. yeah, no, no, um, it's way too steep and way too loose. Whatever, you can't, you can't get back going. I was having mud issues in SPD yeah. cleats, even getting mud out of my cleats enough to clip back in. Same. I yeah, stomped my cleats on my pedals a bunch of times, like, you know, slamming them just to get the yeah. mud out. And even when I was cleaning my bike yesterday or the day before or whatever, there was so much mud came out of my friggin' pedals. I couldn't believe how much mud was in my pedals. Yeah. It was yeah, nasty. It was crazy. Yeah. It was but, nasty. yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't know how many people passed me on Rich Trail, at least 10 or 15 just from like yeah. everyone running and walking and um and then yeah the by the time i hit the second aid station um going up you know you stop at the aid that aid station then you go up that steep hill yeah yeah um yeah and then it hit me again it went from my hamstring all the way down to my leg and i was just like anytime i tried to put power in um that wasn't like that was above threshold it was impossible. I was just like, I almost stopped. I almost got off my bike and like sat on the side of the road, but um, I just kept going. I started punching it, which is that dude across <laughs> the dude that was camping across from us was the yeah. one that was like, I saw you punching your leg back there. He's like, <laughs> he's, like uh, he's like, good on you for not stopping. But yeah, no, seriously. Were, right. Yeah, I mean, because like it, you it do sucked. feel like you just want to pull over on the side of the road and i saw some people doing it i mean like you're like hey dude yeah. are you okay and they're like yeah crap you know and just like because <laughs> it, yeah. it was pretty sunny and if you know whether it's a mix of, of hydrating or the extra hard effort or whatever it is you know maybe it's just not your day and the cramps are going to come anyway you know um it was weird because i couldn't i couldn't eat my bars either i 
So I don't know what happened. I've never really had any of that happen to me before. So I don't know if it was a hydration thing because I did switch to flow. Like I didn't have the usual scratch that I usually have. So yep. maybe it was like trying to change my nutrition day of, which is probably a bad idea. But whatever. Finish. Yeah, I mean, we still had fun. You you live and you learn. Yeah. Maybe oh, but, maybe we'll all do better next year. Adam's trying to top up tenant next year, whatever he's saying. <laughs> I gotta I gotta switch age categories. It's gonna get harder. Literally, it's gonna be harder thirty to thirty nine than it is twenty nine. I like to think yeah, I would have got a pretty decent finish had my leg didn't cramp because yeah. you know I was still like four twenty three I think. And like a hundred thirteenth, yeah. I feel like I could have could have got top hundred. You definitely would. I didn't even. I if, hey, maybe if next you guys year. saw what I placed. Don't even tell me. <laughs> yeah. I didn't look. I don't give a fuck. It's, it, it wasn't. It wasn't was, my day. Yeah, like you said, it's like yeah. four hours yeah. of racing, but like a weekend of fun stuff. So it's just more than like that's the, another the, thing. Yeah, that's another thing too. I feel like you two flat tires crashing. And losing your GoPro is a lot worse than me dealing with leg cramps. Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, like so. my rib is feeling <laughs> a little bit, my rib is feeling a little bit better. I rode today. It didn't hurt me nearly as badly as when we, uh, when we rode yesterday. Cause mm-hmm. we did a nice little recovery ride and yeah, a nice like, little recovery ride. It was, it was recovery ish. Um, <laughs> as Brian started heart, up think- that class four section. <laughs> yeah and it's like hard to tell like what's going to be what especially because like 80 percent of the roads out there are gravel roads you know Listen. So, like you're not sure how maintained it's going to be yeah i Never made a route today and i went most popular up there <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm going on google do, maps yeah. i'm going on google maps street view now to when i make routes out there so i can actually they have street see. view on those roads oh no but some of them but no like you know what i mean like yeah zoom in Oh, okay. I thought you meant like the little guy you drag and you drop him on there. You're not, you're not dragging that guy on class four roads. I don't think Google Maps is. <laughs> yeah, they're not bringing those cars with the big cameras on top of them on those roads. I don't. I don't think they are. That was a beautiful no. ride, though, that we did yesterday. It was I awesome. Mean, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And that was another thing about my experience with Overland this year was I didn't take in like any of the vistas last year because it was just race effort, race effort. And this year because I you know, double flatted and, and went down pretty hard. After I went down hard, I was like, I'm just trying to finish. So yeah. I wasn't like, I, you know, cool. I wasn't at threshold. I wasn't at 172. It's so awesome. You're seeing these like, and it's just so beautiful. beautiful out there. So beautiful. Not to mention that like, even just a Scutney outdoors is like a beautiful venue. You know, you're like looking up at the mountain and mm-hmm. you're looking down, like it's just like fog every morning beautiful. rolling over the top of it. Like just, perfect it's so cool illuminated by the sun all that sort of shit so um yeah i mean i i had a blast i do think that the event was was run so much better than it was last year that's something that ansel and i talked about which i'm sure was a hard decision to make you know instead of having 1500 racers there was a thousand um which obviously means you're bringing in less money but i i do think that it made for a much better event a better supported event and the police um, details were excellent at the yeah, corners the, of roads at the corners and stuff were, were so good and all the signs everywhere uh, like, like not only the signs that were like you know telling you to be cautious because hey you're about to descend and there's a corner coming ahead but also the signs that say like 
hey, there's a bike event going on. So you're spreading the awareness mm-hmm. in the community. Um, you know, famously last year, we all rode by the hashtag cancel Ansel sign. And yeah. these people that are like shooting and Ansel was telling me earlier in the podcast that like, that was not his first interaction with those people. They were like, don't fucking ride by our house. You know, like if you do, we're going to fucking shoot our guns. And if those guns happen to hit, like it was that sort of shit. You'll hear it when you listen to the podcast, but like, you know, that there was a, there was a lot of attitude like that last year. And I think this year, um, I only heard that one lady in the very beginning that was like, go home. She was like sitting in her screened in porch. In the most mundane voice ever. Yeah. Where was that? It was, it was right 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 before we even ran to the lawnmower guy. Yeah. (laughs) Like right there. And, um, it was right next to the field, next to the overflow field. One of those houses right next to the overflow field. And, um, Other than that, the spectators, right? Like hundred, at least a hundred people on the side of the road cheering us on, if not two hundred people, right? Like saying funny things and um, just like having an absolute blast. I mean, it was the the most race experience I've ever mm-hmm. experienced. You know, like sure, it's no tour or Vuelta uh, or anything. Um, but it was I cool. Think I saw saw the stage of the Vuelta today. I would say Overland is uh, <laughs> organized better than today's Vuelta stage because. That shit was fucked up. I saw the ending. Oh, the finish? Yeah, you see that shit? You see that shit? Yeah. Phil Remco fucking crashed right into a... <laughs> Remco crashed into a policewoman. What the fuck? Phil Gaiman literally uh, posted and tagged him and said, like, I know how it feels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Fell over going through the, the banner. Yeah, the banner. Was that Mal Washington? Yeah. Did he did that? Yeah, a couple years ago, last year. Um, um, no, yeah, I thought the lack of people... But there was a lot of people. There was way more people. I feel like this year throughout the course, like on the side of the road. Like my favorite was like there was like a a woman and a child in the middle of Rich Trail. Yes, sitting on the side. Yeah, yes, yeah. What were doing in there? They were just like chilling, right? They're just like sitting on On, like the mossy berm, just like hey, watching the carnage. (laughs) So, but yeah, I love it sick uh it really is. yeah and i think like uh with the lack of people too like the post ride events that we, i think we all agreed were better too in the sense that like we didn't wait in a lot we didn't go up early for dinner we didn't wait in a line like we didn't wait in a beer line nope. uh yeah there was so much more room to like maneuver and do stuff up in the top area yeah, i would so- say if we do anything better next year we got to bring more food yeah, yeah but, bring yeah. more food yeah I'm with you. Well, so let's uh let's go around the circle real quick and let's talk like like our maybe our favorite moment or our least favorite moment. Um, Adam, we, is your favorite moment finishing 50th? Let's put that to the side. We get it, Adam. I don't mean to harp on you. I don't mean to harp on you. I know we've been talking I, about it more than you. I just felt good. Like honestly, just the race felt good. Like I felt like I handled the single track and. People are going to be, I'm going to say one of my favorite things that I did was I had a dropper post and you're going to get those guys in. You don't need a dropper post. No, you don't. Everyone else did it without a dropper post, but it was frigging awesome to have the dropper post on those sections. I don't care. I put more weight on my bike. That's a penalty that I paid. It was great to have. So, yeah, you put minimal weight on your bike and it worked for you and it's your bike. So everyone else can fuck off. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) it works for me. I felt good. Got a little cut on my hand from where the lever was just digging into me. So maybe I'll move it a little bit. But other than that, it was good. 
Um, but probably, probably the part that like I would change, I wouldn't even say that this is on Overland. It's more the vendors is I just wish they had more free crap. Maybe it's me being greedy, but, um, <laughs> sure. like I wish there was more free crap and like you, you know, they bring in the vendors. So I don't think it's on Overland as an organization, but like, I wish the vendors gave more stuff away for free. Like if I go to an expo for like anything else, I just expect to get like koozies, t-shirts, this, that, when you walk around and I would have liked right. to see a little more of that. Yeah, Brian's yeah. rocking his uh, his 2022 Vermont Overland T-shirt. It's such uh, a sick shirt. I wanted that this year. Sweet shirt. shirt. Yeah, there really Special wasn't any. There wasn't anything going on at those booths. It was like Specialized had like three bikes hanging there, and that was all they brought. Right, they were handing out bottles last year. I got myself a bottle um, last year, but not <laughs> this year. Yeah, but I mean, maybe that. You know, I don't know how that all shakes out. I imagine it is because of the people, the the companies that are coming, and it has absolutely nothing to do with like the organizers at all. Right? No, it's just like and I, what they're deciding they, to do. Right. They bring yeah. in a company, and it's on it's on whoever. And I begrudgingly took the SRAM coffee. It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coffee by SRAM. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shimano, it would be better. Yeah, it would. Yeah, the Shimano uh, coffee is really crisp. Uh, it doesn't make a loud noise when you swallow, uh, yeah. and it, you you actually if you have if you have a cup of Shimano coffee you can't drop it. Tram coffee you drop the cup all the right time. out. The yeah. just constantly it's like DOT it. fluid too. Yeah, wow. exactly. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, Brian, any you got any like any any other like closing statements any criticisms any things that we didn't mention or you know whatever about the about the weekend um i don't really have any i mean criticisms i guess would go back to the the food thing i guess like having more food accessible would be nice for for people that are camping there the whole weekend with like mm -hmm. you know what the package that you're paying for um yeah. but i mean on the flip side of that, like the food vendors, like the Brownsville pantry is amazing. Unreal. So good. Unreal. So yeah. good. They're so good. They yeah. killed it. Um, and going there for those burritos on Sunday was awesome. Yeah. We had Brownsville three days in a row, effectively. Yeah. 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 yeah and we had those apple know. hand pies too. Like apple hand pies. So good. Um, no, no real criticisms, really. Um, I think, obviously, the the ride is sick, but the camping is the best part. I think, in my opinion, yeah. I agree. I agree. Just if like, you could do it, you got to do that. Yeah, just yeah. us sitting around being fucking idiots for two full days. You know, it's just like so much fun and watch, yeah. Seinfeld in the middle of the night. Seinfeld is so Jeremy with the hot like, spot. Just, shout out. That's the high point of the entire trip is Jeremy's hot spot. There was no <laughs> self-service there. <laughs> We're the yeah, only people no. with service on that campground. Right. <laughs> we all we all have Verizon, so we had zero service. Uh, Jeremy had an AT&T and just runs the one spot in the entire all. world that AT&T yeah. has better service. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was great. I definitely, uh, I went into it with a sourpuss attitude and... Um, I was like, I'm not fucking doing this again. I think I probably said that five times. Uh, and I, uh, I've totally flipped my coin. I will do it again. And I don't fucking care if I crash again. I will run, I will run wider tires. That's for sure. Oh, I don't was going to ask me... you about that. Yeah. 
what, what, what's your thought on that after doing the 35s like what's your I, I mean the flat might not be 35 related but like how do you feel what would you do again next year uh, differently yeah so i wouldn't i don't know if like the flat was 35 related but maybe it was pressure related which inherently is 35 related yeah. i mean there was a fucking hole the size of like my pinky nail like in the middle of mm-hmm. my tire how do you avoid that you know even if it's a 40 maybe a lower pressure um but yeah i'll run 38s or 40s or something next year why the fuck not i mean i'll probably yeah. hopefully i will do better next year than i did this year and if that's what it takes convince you know me i'm just like such like a fucking roadie i want to run skinny tires and bigger tires make me feel mentally slower even though i know i've I've yeah. seen the stuff. Can we get I've seen all that shit? Can we get Dylan Johnson on the podcast? Do you think we can hit him up? Sure. Yeah. Sure, yeah. We'll try to get Dylan on the podcast. I'm okay. I'm yeah. yeah let's try that. Um, I, I will say, running 40s, I felt like I didn't feel I didn't feel hindered on the dirt road sections, and I was running Ramblers, which weren't even the ones I wanted to run. I wanted to run the Pathfinders. I just didn't get them in in time, and I would have gone 42s for that. But I didn't feel slowed down at all by them, and they felt very good in the class four sections at about 30 psi for me. So. Yeah, tires. I'll run wider tires. You know, I'm just going to get over it. You got to get over it. I got to fucking try to run wider tires on my gravel bike. I ran 35s and I feel like they were great. You had 35s or 38s? 38s, sorry. Yeah. 38s. No, NBX has NBX has a brand new pair of 38s waiting for me. So I'll pick those up and put them on my gravel bike and maybe I'll try to go up and What down were the, the 35s you were running? Brand? Like Terravail, Cannonballs. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Uh, Brian, you had you had Terravails as well. You had a Rutland and a had a Rutland and a um the what's the other one? Wash. Uh, I can't think of the other one. The one with Washburn. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And Adam, what did you run? I was running Maxis Rambler in the forties. Oh right, you said that. Yeah. 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 Ironically, one of my buddies just got two point one inch wide Terravails. I just rode with him like an hour before this podcast. <laughs> yeah, what'd you think? Uh, they they were pretty cool. I mean, he likes like the chunky gravel stuff, so he he yeah. like it was his first ride on them. I mean, they're heavy, but yeah, yeah. cool. Um, what are you all right, any uh, what is it? I, I asked Adam if he was getting changed since his camera's turned. Yeah, Adam turned his Adam turned his <laughs> camera off. I'm sparing you the uh, me trying to wrangle my dogs. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think that I think that means it's a good time for us to to, to wrap up the podcast. Um, uh, thank you guys. Thanks for doing this. Uh, thanks for for hanging out over the weekend. I thought it was a yeah. fucking, fucking blast. Um, I'm looking forward time. to the next one. Looking forward to the next one, and um, you know, sort of a we do have some other things coming up uh, for the rest of the year, but I do think that like you know, Overland is one of the biggest events that we do. It's one of the ones that we look forward to. Uh, for basically the whole entire year, if not from the minute that we drive away from a Scutney outdoors, we look forward to it the next year. So, um, yeah, thanks to Ansel. Thanks to all the volunteers for doing it. You know, we're going to, I'm going to talk to Jeremy in just a little bit, but, uh, yeah. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Adam, for hanging out and, uh, for doing the podcast and yeah, being fun people, like fun people to ride with. That's what it's yeah, all I'm about. Fun. Really. Yeah. Adam, you're fun. I'm fun. Yeah. Brian, you're fun. Thanks. Brian's fun. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> all right. Cool. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Later. Bye. Peace out.
All right, and here we are. Uh, Jeremy Newman is here on the It's Just a Hill podcast to talk about Overland 2023. Jeremy, thank you for making time to do this. How are you? Good. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. Um, so, you know, we sort of talked about it a little bit earlier with Adam and Brian, but tell me about like, you know, you dro- we all drove up at the same time, right? We met up at Brownsville Butcher and Pantry and um, we set up our campsite. What was what was your camping setup like? It was a little bit different this year than it was last year, right? Yeah, last year I uh, I didn't really camp before the race because I, I had to work the day before down in Rhode Island and yeah. I ended up driving. I don't remember what time I left at, like four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So it was a little less stressful this year, but I would say that I probably got better sleep uh, last year just because the humidity sleeping in my tent. But uh, yeah, drove up. Uh, we all met at 11 o'clock in Vermont, right, yeah. right down the street from a Scutney mountain. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, a, a lot less, uh, rushed this year for me. I'm sure. Yeah. Like leaving in the morning, driving what, like three or so hours and, and fighting the traffic for parking. Cause there's like, you know, I mean, last year it was 1500 people and that's, you know, a lot of cars or big overflow lots and all of that stuff. So yeah. went from me being probably one of the last people in the lot to <laughs> us being the right. first people a lot yeah, yeah it was really there early yeah yeah just and uh, no go ahead i was just gonna say i i hate the feeling of being rushed it's like my least favorite thing and just to be able to get up and you know yeah easy to it it was uh yeah it was nice and so yeah n- not necessarily like a, a a restful night in your own bed but you did have a pretty sick camping setup can you tell us about that yeah so i uh i brought my I have a old Tacoma and I just bought, I just bought a tent that fits in the back of the, the truck there. Yeah. It kind, of, kind of was a little, uh, not the right fit, but I made it work. And then, uh, just blew up an air mattress that fit in the back there. And yeah, it was great. It was, I mean, it was better than, um, most tent setups that I've ever had before. Usually I'm just like sitting on the ground and wake up in a puddle. Not right. that I didn't wake up in a puddle one of the nights, but, um, yeah, uh, we got some video of me watching Seinfeld in my uh, my yes. tent. That to me is a true <laughs> highlight of the weekend is you oh, yeah. watching Seinfeld. And like, I don't know, my perspective was I didn't like know you were about to start watching Seinfeld. You crawled into the back of your truck, right? And then all of a sudden it's just like, and it was the funniest fucking thing. Uh, yeah. And we sort of we sort of alluded to it earlier in the podcast, but like you were also the one you were the one with service. Uh, yeah, I was, service I, up there. I was a designated hotspot. I could have just like unplugged everybody for the weekend. Right, but... right. You were running a hotspot off your phone. That's how you were watching Seinfeld. That's how we were sort of staying in touch with friends and family and like social media and all that sort of shit. So uh, yeah, thanks for that. I'm I don't. We should have counted how many times Brian asked you to put on your hotspot. At least 25, at least 25 times within that. At least. And like, would be like one of the, the last things he said before bed and the first things he said upon waking up, you know, on those few days. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about that camping setup? Would you, would you camp like that again? Would you change it for next year? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So actually one of the, one of my favorite parts about Overland is like, I've always been into like the utilitarianism of like being able to travel with like some sort of vehicle and seeing people's setups is just like inspiring to me. I think it's so cool to have just something modular that you can like take on the road 
and you'll have like everything you need, like seeing people with showers outside. That's like a huge thing for me. Cause we were talking about it. I hate being like the feeling of being dirty with like no solution. Right. And like seeing people just even have one of those gravity fed bags to be able yeah. to wash themselves. So uh, yeah, if we do do it next year, I think I'm going to just like think a little bit more ahead, change up some stuff. I would, I would like to eliminate the whole, I think like the most anxiety for me driving up was like thinking about having to set my tent up with like potential rain. Right. So I think like having something that is like already set up, whether it be like a cap of some sort where I could just like blow up an air mattress and stuff it in. Yeah. Uh, I think that that would be kind of like a, a cool, less stressful thing. And then uh, something else that I was like thinking about was, uh, I don't know, just sitting in the back of my tent, just like sweating, but also cold because of all the humidity. I was like, it'd be really nice to have just like a small dehumidifier just to like pull some of the humidity out of that. I don't know if you guys were like sweating as much as I was, but I woke up in the middle of the night. Uh, I think on the second night was the worst and I was just like drenched in sweat. So I'm like underneath a cover cold, but uh, I'm just like sweating. So I can like fan my, fan my blanket out to like get some air circulation. So yeah, just a little, uh, (laughs) last year it was just kind of like an impromptu thing. I just like bought this little tent that I could stick in the back of my wife's car and that was fine. But I mean, I wasn't trying to get good sleep then. Um, right, and we all sleep after the race, right? Like, cause you did camp the night after the race, although not before. Right. Yeah. I would say both nights are, were probably just as good. Um, like I got just as good sleep both nights, which wasn't like spectacular. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was I was just so humid. It was so, and like we, you know, it was going to rain overnight. So we had our rain flies and we had like our, our windows in our tents or whatever setups, like all zipped up. And there's just no, you're just like breathing in there for like six or eight hours or whatever. And it's just like, you're creating your own biodome and, and it's just gross. It's fucking gross. Yeah. Like uh, one part of my tent was kind of wet. So my pillow being pushed up against it, just started wicking up the pillow. And I'm like waking up feeling like my, feeling it and I was like it's getting pretty moist so I like start to scoot away from the wall yeah uh, but yeah it I I think I have a pretty good idea of how I would do it next year even if we do any sort of camping next right. year camp to bike because uh just being able to sleep good is just huge Absolutely. when it comes to riding your bike the next day like all I mean I track like the recovery um of or I track my sleep and I track my recovery yeah. And every single night, the leading up to it, I had like 100% recovery and I was feeling good. I was doing like a bunch of training stuff. Um, and the night, uh, yeah, the night before the race, I slept bad and I woke up and it said like 20% recovery. I was like, oh God, of course, because I got maybe like maybe four hours of sleep, sleeping in the back there. So I would really like to uh figure that out just for that fact you know yeah same boat same boat like i was getting great sleep you know you're waking up 80 90 percent recovery and then all of a sudden it's like 32 percent on race day uh which like you know i mean recovery is only a portion of sort of like what you have going for you on race day but also just like mentally to see that number it's a bummer it's like just such a bummer you know Um, i'd say i felt like my recovery score that day yeah. And so let's, let's talk about, let's talk about your race. So, uh, right. We, we talked about everyone, everyone else's, I had an absolute shit day. 
Um, how did you how did you feel about your your race waking up that morning and then and then getting started at 10 a.m.? What, what was sort of your thoughts leading up to it? And then like on the morning of, you know, the anticipation wise. And then um, how did you feel about about the effort of the day? Yeah, so I thought the morning went pretty smoothly. Um, being able to walk up and get some food from the caterer and yeah. uh, get some coffee and just kind of like ease into it, showing up. You know what? What did we wake up at six o'clock? And uh, yeah. the race didn't start until ten, so we had like a good amount of time to just chill beforehand and drink coffee and eat whatever. I thought that that was like pretty great, and yeah. I think that's a huge part of like racing is like um, like reducing the anxiety beforehand and just feeling relaxed going up to the to the um, the starting line. It just made me feel a lot better about the race. I didn't know what to expect, really. I actually went into the race thinking it was going to be easier than it was last year for some reason. I don't know if I was just feeling better. But yeah, standing at the starting line, I felt good other than like the anxiety of like, is somebody going to get hurt kind of thing like that? Like, I I didn't want to like say it, but um, yeah, I was, you know, everything that happened last year, you kind of just like you got that in the back of your head. Right. And I was standing at the start line, just being like, I can't wait to be like over with this, just knowing that like everybody's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt great. Like up until I'd say like the third Pave section I was doing, I was doing pretty well. I was like drinking enough water. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I mean, I, I ended up losing uh, Brian and Adam at uh, one road section. Cause I took like a wrong turn and they were with a pack way ahead and I was trying to catch up to them. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to take it slow because we're maybe eight miles into this 55 mile race. And I don't want to like burn myself out here. So I'm just like, I'm just going to take it easy. And I was under the impression that you were behind me at that point. Yeah. Um, and we got past the, I think it was the second Pave section. I came out of the woods or we came out of a little marshy area and then you're off to the side pumping up your tire. I was like, Oh fuck, John got a flat tire. I was yeah. like, I thought John was behind me this whole time. Yeah. Uh, but I did feel bad that I didn't stop, but I honestly, like I had nothing. I couldn't even fix my own flat tire looking at my pack. The net, um, when we were at Brian's mom's house, uh, yeah. the, the couple days after I was, uh, I was looking through my pack and all I had in there was tire levers and a spare tire that wouldn't have even worked with my wheels. Because I had no pump. I didn't even have an Allen key to take my wheel off. So like, if I knew that, like during the race, like I would have been way more nervous about like doing, uh, like hitting those pave sections as hard as I did. Yeah. Um, but that was another thing. I, I really didn't, I really didn't go as hard as I probably could have. Like I, I definitely took those pave sections a little easier this year because I feel like I cared more about my bike, which I think was probably my biggest mistake was like caring about my bike. Uh, they were talking about, <laughs> they were talking about uh, having the, like at, at one point during the race, you're going to feel like you're not on the right bike. And okay. I, I feel like that bike was not the right bike because I just cared about it. And I think that, I think that uh, that race, like you should not ride a bike that you care about. That's, because... a, that's a funny way of looking at it though, because you're right. Cause like, you know, we, uh, you, your bike is like pretty new. It's, it look, it's a beautiful bike. It's like, you know, like the paint job is nice. All the components are nice, you know? And then you're like, 
okay, let me go ride this thing for four hours and beat it to shit. Maybe oh, yeah. fall on it. Maybe you maybe get scratches and dings on it and stuff. Like we we I think we all ended up with some battle wounds on our bike, right? You had a little scratch in your derailleur, some other stuff that maybe happened to you. Yeah, a couple different things, and uh, it's just one of those uh, one of those scenarios where uh, you gotta just you gotta rip the bandaid off. Yeah. You're gonna get scratches on a especially a gravel bike at at some point. So I feel kind of good about um, like I didn't. I didn't do any like carbon damage or anything like that, but, um, I scratched my derailleur. I, uh, there's like some areas in chain slap because, um, I have a two by on that bike. So when I was shifted, uh, to the small ring mm-hmm. and there was like no slack in the chain, it like looking at it, I didn't notice it before, but there's like, like an inch of clearance between the bottom of the chain stay and the chain. Oh, okay. So, um, when there's like oh, a, a lot of slack in that, yeah. yeah, I mean, hitting those, hitting those, um, those rough patches like yeah you get chain slap anyways but that was like <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. glad that i'm glad that it, that's i think you're right though because almost like if you break the seal on putting a little bit of damage on your bike and i i sort of view my gravel bike a lot differently than i view my road bike because if i had like a scratch on the paint on my road but i ended up with like a paint chip on my top tube it must have been when i went down and i've got some various scrapes and scratches on my derailleurs from going down whether it was on this race or like i went i went down pretty hard about a month ago on my gravel bike but yeah you sort of need to be like a little bit okay it's okay like the bike's still gonna work as long as like you said it's not like some carbon damage or anything and um yeah that's sort of what those bikes are meant for and like you obviously you want to have like a a race ready bike, right? Like you want to have a light bike. You want to have the right tires, the right pressure and everything. You want to make sure it's all nice and clean. Like we're all taking pictures of our bikes before and we're all proud of our bikes. And then you're just like, okay, let me just go fuck around on this thing for four or five hours, you know? Yeah. 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 Cleaning, cleaning that bike, uh, like a couple of days afterwards, I was just like, um, it, like, I don't know what the dirt was hiding. I was like, what am I going to find when I'm cleaning this thing? Um, yeah. but yeah, other than like a couple scratches that uh, like worked out pretty well. Some bolts like loosened up on me. Um, yeah. I hit like, I almost went over the handlebars on this one section that was like completely downhill, uh, rocky pave, yeah. um, where I'm just leaning as far back as I can. But, um, like you can only lean so far back, like pointing straight down a hill. I hit a rock head on and just like, I felt a crack and I was like, Oh, I don't know what that was, but it must've been like my compression plug in my steer tube. It just like must've boosted up a little bit because there was some slack, uh, throughout like the race I was climbing. And anytime I'd be like putting any pressure on the handlebars, like kind of working to climb up a hill, I'd hear like a creaking noise. I was like, I don't know. I don't want to know what that is. Yeah. But getting over, getting the race over with and like checking everything over tightening bolts. Uh, yeah, that felt good. Yeah, I had a knock. I have a knock somewhere. I'm bringing my bike to the bike shop after we finish here because I don't know. I I thought it was my bottom bracket at first, but then it was still knocking when I wasn't pedaling, which didn't make any sense to me. So I feel like it's one of my hubs, either my front hub or my rear hub. But like, you know, it's not like you're going to wipe the dirt off during the race and figure it out. Like, you're just like, no, fuck this. I got to get back. I'm trying to finish this fucking thing, you know, like it's... uh. Yeah. So let's, I want to talk about the class four sections real quick. Right. So we talked about them. There are like seven of these class four sections, um, AKA fucked up road, which we all love to call it. Um, 
What is your preference on those sections? Would you rather go up them or would you rather go down them? Um, that's a good question. I was getting beat to hell going down those sections. So I would say going up them yeah. uh, was a little less, like I felt like I was going f- far slower than I should have been going down. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, going up these steep sections, even if you were to get off and walk the bike, you're probably still going the same speed. Um, but I was getting absolutely like pat, like I was getting passed by everybody if I like lost my footing and had to like unclip. Yeah. Uh, and it would take me so long to get back on the bike going down that, um, yeah, I felt a lot, I felt a lot better climbing on those sections than I did descending. Um, but we were talking about it. Uh, you spend all this time climb, you usually, yeah, for the most part, it was like climbing into Pave. Yeah. Uh, and then you're like, you know, wiped out trying to stay upright. Um, and then you're like, oh, I can't wait to be going down. But the the going down is harder yeah. because I, I remember one point, like I hit something and I had my glasses, basically useless glasses on the first pave section or whatever, um, because I just like sweated into them and I couldn't see anything. So I just put them on my helmet. I uh, hit one rock and my glasses were like dangling off but I'm going down this hill. Uh, yeah. oh, they're about they're, these brand new glasses are sp- like dangling off my helmet. I'm like, I can't take my hands off the bar to get it back onto my face. Uh, but yeah, like uh, just wiped you out so much. Like you think that you get some sort of relaxation going down, but no, no recovery going down. You're no. just like hammering your arms. Yep. And uh, yeah, up the- legs, like the lactic acid, like it's not like you're getting to, even spin them or shake them out a little bit as you descend. Like it's not, it's not recovery and descending in a, in a race like that or a route like that with those metrics is you're up or you're down. Like there was hardly any flat sections and you know, people, if, if most of our listeners or, or viewers are like from the Southern new England area, um, this was like a true off-road race. Like there were what three or four sections of pavement, like maybe, maybe yep. three to five miles of pavement in the full 55 miles, but actually there's no way in hell there were five miles of pavement. It had to have been much. No, less. I, don't know. I, I think I, I mean that, that ending part, uh, there was like three miles before. Yes. The, the end there, that was probably like one mile. And then yep. there was that steep downhill pavement. And then there was the section at the beginning. So yeah, I don't, I doubt that there was even four miles of pavement on that, along that whole thing. Right. Um, so the fatigue but, is very different than just like a any sort of pavement. And yeah, it's it's tough. Sorry, I, I cut you off. What were you gonna say? Well, we even on the recovery day the next day, uh, yeah. we we're talking about how these dirt roads are basically pavement roads because right. they've been packed down so often. Like they're not like Rhode Island gravel mm-hmm. roads. It's uh it I mean it might as well be pavement at that point. Like even when uh, me and Brian were running the other day uh, from his mom's house. Like we're running up these hills, and usually on like usually on dirt roads, it kind of takes the uh, the the pounding away from uh, like slamming your feet on the ground. But yeah, it, was, it felt like running on pavement roads. So uh, I would say, like even though there wasn't much pavement, it was like we we're on paved roads at most point. Yeah, I mean, they're so well-maintained, and it's like, I want to say it's like 80% of the roads in Vermont are gravel roads, but 
it's not like you said, it's not like a fire access road that you have around here. It's like this, right. like, you know, there's, there must be like rebar underneath it. And then they're, they're have this like sort of clay stone mixture and they maintain them really well. I mean, there were some of the worst floods ever in Vermont just over a month ago. And yeah, the course had to be rerouted just a bit. We ended up going through on the, on the recovery ride. The next day we went through this one section that it was like road closed ahead. And when you're on your gravel bike, bike, you're sort of just like, ah, fuck that. You know, I'm just going to keep going because you're not a car. And luckily it worked out for us because they do such a good job at maintaining those and I'm not talking the class four sections because those are unmaintained, right? But like these main main yep. gravel roads are absolutely beautiful. They are better than a lot of the paved roads around yeah. here. Yeah. Less uh less potholes. Yeah, for way sure. less potholes for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, and then yeah, how did you feel on the next day when we did that recovery ride? I mean, the metrics of that ride were still pretty gnarly. It was like 21 miles, 1700 feet. I mean, we took it easy, but my legs were uh were feeling pretty heavy that day. Yeah, my legs definitely felt pretty heavy. I was cramping up pretty bad. I'm sure Brian was talking about all of his cramps, but I was yeah. trying to I was trying to just get comfortable with them and just deal with them that day. Right. Uh, but I definitely pushed my my uh, my legs being cramped a little further than I probably should have. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the next day I was definitely feeling that the um, the aftermath of my legs cramping. Like the, the under, or my hamstrings were getting locked up, like climbing up hills and I would stand up to try to unlock them and it would yeah. just make it worse. But yeah, it was just a constant battle with cramps that day. So waking up the next day and just feeling like the, uh, whatever that would be, hopefully not nerve damage, but. <laughs> right, right, right. And then what about when you guys ran? How were your legs feeling that day? So that was like, you know, 48 hours after the race, when you guys went on a run, Adam and I headed back. Um, but you guys are both training for the New York City Marathon. We didn't even talk about that, which I think is awesome. It's going to be like a huge feat for both of you. People should yeah. go. And I think we can we can share uh, donation links, too, in the YouTube video and everything. But like, how did yeah. that feel um, when you were like, you know, deciding to run two days after a big race? You know, actually, I I felt pretty good. Yeah. Uh I mean, I was a little tired waking up that morning, but, uh, stepping out the door and just like, we weren't going to treat it like a, um, like a, uh, we weren't going to go hard running. Sure. Um, but it was kind of hilly, way hillier than I usually run. I usually run, um, like from my house, uh, into the city and I'll maybe, maybe hit like 150 feet yeah. on, on like a six mile run. And we did a six mile run and we hit 700 feet of elevation. Wow. And we just like, yeah. turned out his mom's uh, like door and we ran right up a hill right. that was three and a half miles long. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I felt, I felt pretty good. Um, after that, my calves were a little uh, messed up yeah. and I went for, I went for another run yesterday, which is what, four days after. Right. Yeah. Uh, and my calves were like, burning really and I can, I can understand why people that uh that live in hillier areas are such like significantly stronger runners cyclists and everything because like man it is it, it hurts yeah it, it does yeah it's it's a different type of training running up running up hills i oh, mean sure. we talk, talk about hills all the time i mean but yeah hill training is is how you get strong for sure. Yeah. 
And not that like riding on the flats or running on flats like means you're weak, right? But it is a different type of training. And, you know, sometimes if you're thinking about like doing a flat ride, right, it's just like constant power. And so on a hilly ride, maybe you get the work and then you get the recovery if it's not some fucked up road sections when that you're going down. But um, yeah, I mean, as someone that lived in a flatter area, but now I live in a hillier area, I feel like the hills have, uh, they, they, they give back a lot more than the flats give back, um, at least in terms of like training. Um, yeah. So when it comes to, when it comes to running, uh, we were started, I was talking about this with Brian and Adam. What about the, there's, there's like the Overland trail run, not the one that they do like in the spring, but the one that they do the day before the bike race. Um, I'm pretty much convinced to do that mile run up, up a Scutney mountain. Do you think you would do that next year? Oh yeah, for sure. If I even thought about it, cause I, I don't yeah. know, I just kind of blanked on that. Uh, sure. I would have been just in my running gear yeah. and like lining up the start line because I don't know, it just seems, seems like, uh, it just adds to the weekend yeah. doing that like extra challenge definitely wouldn't have made my race the next day uh more enjoyable sure. but right. yes yeah, so, i mean i flew my drone uh up the mountain to see like people people running over there and yeah it looks like it looks like a fun little uh activity just yeah to, like, i think it'd be fun i think we should do it next year i think it'd be a lot of fun i'm, and surprised, some... want, I'm surprised you want to do it yeah, I want to do it. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to be a little bit more open-minded to trail running specifically. Um, I don't know how much like running on the road I would do, but there's like trails right in my backyard that I could run on and stuff. And I do think there are benefits to running. I mean, even though like I just like love to ride my bike and I wouldn't say I'm that much of a a well-rounded uh, individual when it comes to like my athleticism. I like to do a lot of yoga, but for me, it's just like bike, bike, bike. Um but, you know, like talking to other members of of It's Just a Hill that run you and, and Brian and then Cal's been running a little bit more because he, he's claiming it helps with his bone density. He's worried about his fragile bones. Um, <laughs> I do think there are benefits to it. And, you know, it's just like working out different muscle groups and it will benefit not only you on the bike, but it'll just like benefit you in the in the long run when it comes to like your fitness and your longevity. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can I can convince myself to do a mile run in um you know, 12 months time. I think I can convince yeah. myself to do that. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I was primarily a runner before I was a cyclist and, yeah. um, the biggest hurdle was the time thing running. Like if you run for an hour, it feels like, it uh, feels like a long time. Yeah. Especially if you're, uh, if you're really working, um, like time seems to drag by, but I've, I've noticed now that we're doing these longer bike rides, um, like longer distances are feeling easy. Like, I just ran 10 miles last night at like a pretty like steady pace and just, I mean, I ran for an hour and a half and it felt like nothing because, you know, an hour and a half out the door on a bike is like the standard amount of time. Sure. Um, so like the, t the time uh, thing is definitely like, you know, I'm bet I'm benefiting or running is being benefited by like me spending more time uh, in uh, like heart rate zones on a bike for that like extended amount of time. Yeah. But and it's silly. Like as much as it's just the hill is very cycling centric. I think it's silly to just be like, it's all it's bikes or nothing. You know what I mean? Like what the fuck, you know, like it's, it's good to be like a well-rounded individual in, in terms of your, your athletic prowess, or just in terms of like, not just riding the bike, you know, like spend time with your family and friends or just go like fucking sit on the beach or whatever during the summer. Right. It's not just bikes. We're not, 
we're not professionals. You know, we all have day jobs and like, just about like, you know, having fun and experiencing new things. And if running up a Scutney is, is one of the things like, Oh, fuck yeah. I'm, I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, not to like derail the conversation conversation about Overland, but um, yeah. I think the running community is like, is like a great community to be part of. And it's just like, I don't know, like the cycle. I mean, I, we've, I've probably done more cycling events now than I have done running events. Yeah. Um, and just like the, it, it just feels so much more chill yeah. and like people are there to have like a good time. Not that people are not trying to have a good, good time at cycling oh. events, but I feel like it's like more ego driven than it is like with running because 100%. with running, it's like, it's, uh, it's you versus you. And with cycling, it's, it's much more like you versus that guy in front of you, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, another good thing about, uh, being part of the running community is like, I mean, you can see like all the medals that I have there. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think two of those are from cycling and yeah. the rest of yeah. like every single run that you do with be a two yeah. mile, run, they, they yeah. give you a medal. Right. And yeah, it's just like a fun little, um, token that you get at the end. Yeah. No, you're so right. I think one of the one of the big reasons why I wanted to start It's Just a Hill was because group rides, the group rides I went to beforehand were so lame because everyone is just like such a hardo and is so focused on just like, I'm going to get a good workout. I'm going to drop everyone else. Like, no, it's not about dropping everyone else, you know, especially if you're not racing and it's just like a casual Sunday group ride. Like, yeah, I mean, there are different types of people that are going to want to put in different efforts, even on a group ride. But like, it's not about just like showing up to a thing, strapping on your helmet, riding really hard for three hours or whatever, and then going home. But it's about like hanging out, meeting new people, getting like, you know, fun little things that you can throw up on your wall because those medals look fucking dope right there. And like, right. We got, we got one when we did the seat to key thing, like down in Florida, we did that 200 mile ride. Um, But it, it, it seems like you're getting, you know, it, it just, and like, this isn't, this isn't about like, people are going to be like the fucking participation trophies, you know, you're obviously going to get those type of people, but, but there's nothing wrong with like remembering that you accomplished something with like a cool medal and, and like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, Hey, I did something and I pushed myself to do this thing and I feel accomplished for it. There's nothing wrong with like feeling accomplished. No one should be like dogging you out because you got a medal for fucking running, you know? Like, yeah, give me all the participation trophies. I want to fucking hand me something the next time I walk into the grocery store because I'm shopping there, you know, and give me something free. I don't care. Yeah. There's a coupon. You participated in going to stop and shop today. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Are anything, anything else, any other things that stand out to you uh, about Overland that you want to talk about before we get out of here? Yeah. So um, I think that, I, I think that Overland is great because it's like, um, I know you, you had a conversation with the race director, uh, Ansel. Um, I, I can appreciate the, uh, the lifestyle event that he's trying to like create with Overland. Yeah. It's like you go up, you camp, you do, you know, that, that trail ride you, you can do, you can do the full race or you could just like hang out. Like there are families there yeah. and it's just like that, that, uh, that overland experience and yeah. it, it's fun. It's, it's like a festival almost. Yeah, and it is. 
yeah. I, it's just a cool, um, it's just a cool event to feel like you're a part of, you know? Yeah. And, you know, just going up and hanging out with, out with friends. That's like most of the reason I, I mean, I think we decided to do it is because it's like, yeah. it's the race is one thing, but the hangs are like overall, oh, yeah. we, we ride bikes together in the first place. For sure. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a great event. It was much more organized this year. I think we can all agree on that. For sure. And yeah, I, I'm, I was toying with the idea of not doing it next year, but, uh, I, I mean, make the judgment call in January if, yeah. if we all want to do it again. I mean, I would love to. Yeah. Um, me too. I mean, I was, I think everyone know, and I've said it before on this episode of the podcast, but I was like, fuck this shit. I'm not doing this again. And then I have done a total 180 based on just like the experience that we had and the conversation that I had with Ansel. And just like you said, there it is, it, it, yes, it is expensive. There's no, there, you can't get around the fact that it is one of the most expensive things that we did for the year, but no one's expecting these events to be free and no one's forcing you to pay for them, right? Like we chose to sign up for them. We knew what the price tag was. And yeah, I mean, we, I think we all had a blast and I, I am in the camp right now that like, you know, unless there's something else going on that weekend or some financial issues or whatever that like, hell yeah, I'm, I'm down to do Overland again. And, uh, you know, maybe there are, there are more of us, uh, that, that go and camp out and because that is so much fun. Like we sort of create this like little compound on the, on the field that is scutney outdoors and, you know, a lot of people, it seems like most people sort of camp alone or, you know, maybe with their families, but with us, there's like four of us and like people walk by and they're like, Hey, you guys look like you might have some tools or whatever. Or like, you know, we met, we met Brian last year, um, who like, you know, flew in from Puerto Rico and like, I don't know, it is, it's a lot of fun. You get to meet people and you sort of just like hand out, it's just a hill stickers and people talk to you about whatever. And then like, you know, the video that we have coming together, um, which will be out kind of soonish, um, just sort of is, is what it's all about. It's much more than just like this four hour, five hour race effort. Um, and it is about like just hanging out with friends and meeting new people and like, you know, going to new places, right? We don't ride up there that often, um, even though it's not our first time up in Vermont. But like, yeah, it's just about like, it's the full thing. It's not just the race. And I think they do a really good job at that. Yeah, 100%. I love, I love the all the different avenues of cycling and just like experiencing different lifestyles and kind of kind of being, being a part of that. It's just like, it it just makes, makes cycling more interesting rather than just like doing group rides all the time. And I I mean, I would encourage anybody that's interested in doing something like that to try it out, you know? Right. Yeah. And the camping part too, like we've talked about the camping there and hopefully, you know, we do some other events with more camping. I think it just makes it more of like a fun weekend instead of just like, uh, you know, strapping on your shoes and your helmet and, and, and getting to it. So. Yeah. I also couldn't imagine just leaving after that race because I know, I know, <laughs> but not, not right. even being tired, just being like caked right. in, even right. if, if you get a chance to wash yourself off, like right. I didn't feel clean until I took a shower like three days later. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was still, I mean, even though we were like bathing in baby wipes and like face cloths with water on them, it's just not the same. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe some upgrades, maybe we have a a shower next year and um, you know uh, but that's, you know, that's what it's all about learning and growing and like learning from the experience that we had and like, you know, 
maybe a better race next year, maybe better camping next year, all of the above, uh, or at least hopefully a better race for myself. But yeah, you know, shit happens. What are you going to do? Uh, it was yeah. still fun. And like, you know, not to sound too corny, but like the fucking memories, right? Like the photos that we took, the videos that we have coming out and like you fucking watching Seinfeld, like every time I would hear like the laugh track, I would just laugh. You know, it's not like you had your iPad up loud, but my tent was sort of like right next to your truck. So I wasn't hearing all the things, but then all of a sudden I'd hear one little bit, like as a big Seinfeld fan myself. And I'd be like, that is fucking funny. Seinfeld fucking rules. Like it was just so good. Yeah. So hell yeah. Well, thanks a lot, dude. I appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh, yeah, here's to Overland 2023. See you on the trail run 2024. All right. Let's do it. All right. Thanks dude. All right. Peace. Later. Well, that's all she wrote. That's pretty much all we have to say about the 2023 Vermont Overland. Thanks again to Ansel, to Brian, to Adam, and to Jeremy for sitting down and and talking about the event this year. Uh, Sure, it might not have gone exactly how I planned, but I did have fun, and the whole camping experience over the weekend is really like, you know, puts the icing on the cake, if you will. Uh, It's good to have a good race, and it's, you know, you sort of ramp up for it, uh, even if you're talking like a year coming off the last year's race and then, you know, 365 days later, 364 days later or whatever. Um, but, you know, it's also a race that you sign up for in January and it does sell out relatively quickly. So the anticipation is real and I am feeling pretty good about the way that I dealt with the adversity that, you know, sort of fucked up my race day. But hey, that's okay. I had a great training ride, had a great weekend with my friends, ended up, you know, sort of uh, patching things over with Ansel and, uh, I mean, patching things over in my regard just because I was the ass and he was nothing but, uh, I would say, gracious and was willing to talk to me on Instagram when I was criticizing the race before we went up there that weekend. And, uh, you know, luckily sort of uh, happenstance with the GoPro being found and me reaching out on Instagram about me losing the GoPro. And like literally within an hour that um, from the post that I was like, Hey, I lost my GoPro at Overland on Sunday morning to the time that it was handed over to Brian was probably like an hour or two. It was just absolutely wild. It, it makes me believe in the spirit of gravel and uh, having a lot of fun with your friends is really what it's all about. Like we're not bike racers. You know, we all have full-time jobs, daytime, day jobs. My job isn't necessarily full-time. It's not like I'm working 40 hours a week, but I'm putting on this, I'm putting, I'm doing it's just a hill stuff too, okay? People are complicated. Don't judge people just based on their jobs. It's bullshit. Base people, judge people based on the content of their character, okay? And like I like to say, don't judge a bike by its bar tape. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Shout out to everyone that was on the podcast and a special shout out to BSP, my sort of partner in crime, if you will, does all the editing and mixing of all these podcasts. He's listening to this back right now and hopefully he has a nice, cute little smile on his face as I shout him out. So thanks again, Brian. You're, uh, you know, truly a a local legend if we want to use Strava terms in my eyes and appreciate you and appreciate all of you for listening and watching. And if you're listening on like uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, please leave us a rating or review. If you're watching on YouTube, you know, fucking smash that thumbs up, subscribe, head over to www.itsjustahill.com. We do have a free SEP shirt up for sale right now. 
Uh, Sepp Kuss, who, you know, is uh, what I think is maybe the most mountain domestique, the best mountain domestique of all time. He rides for Yumbo Visma. I don't want people to think that, like, I want him to be freed from Yumbo because I think he's great on Yumbo. But just, like, let him spread his wings and fly a little bit. Let the Durango Eagle fly and win some stages. I feel like he probably, this isn't like a, a Vuelta race recap, but maybe he could have won that stage three of the Vuelta. Uh, he was looking pretty good. And I would love to see Sep get some stage wins. And you can buy a shirt if you feel the same. It says free Sep when it's Sep behind bars. And uh, if you happen to know uh, where Sep lives in Andorra, Spain, uh, let me know because I will uh, send him a t-shirt. Uh, that being said, keep a look, keep an eye on our website, on our Strava for events coming up. We do have our Cranksgiving is on the calendar. I believe that is November 19th. I don't have it up in front of me. Stand by, stand by looking at my computer, uh, searching, searching, searching. There is a group ride this weekend, uh, Sunday, September 3rd and Cranksgiving is scheduled for November 19th. Uh, if you're not familiar with Cranksgiving, uh, we did this for the first time last last year with the uh, Coffee S Cycling Maybe folks. They will be joining us again this year, and we will have like different raffle prizes. And all you got to do is donate some food, come and do the ride, uh, some non-perishable items. More details will be out, but for right now, save the date: Cranksgiving 2024, November 19th. Check it out on Strava. Look at us on Facebook, Instagram, whatever the hell. Uh, you can and thank you for the support thank you for listening watching and uh, yeah thanks for being you ride for the fun of it baby decaf left regular right decaf left regular right very challenging work (laughs) 